Welcome, listeners. Appreciate the Patience Podcast. Got a special one tonight. This is a collaboration with a local podcast, Shutdown Podcast, with Chuck and Robert, a couple of San Diego locals. What's happening, boys? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. We're very happy to be here. Our first collaboration with another podcast platform, so we're definitely appreciative to be here. I can't wait to geek out on baseball tonight. Me too. I'm stoked. I think I might have called you guys locos, but I meant locals. So. <laughs> we're that too. We have yeah. been hanging out an hour and a half before this, so yeah, fair enough. Um, gosh, this is going to be fun, guys. You are a San Diego-based sports show. Obviously, you do national sports, and you say with the San Diego flair, which I think I love. Mm-hmm. Um, being from here, obviously, that's a it's a nice little spin on on sports and being able to look at, you know, put yourself in in a specialized category and a national category and a whatever you want, right? You can do the women's team winning. You can do whatever you guys want. Go USA. Yeah, right. Very cool for them and those ladies. Uh, but I like that man. The San Diego Flair. Are you guys bummed that there is how many professional teams left here? One. One that matters. Yeah, uh, one that matters. <laughs> there is there is a soccer club that Landon Donovan has started that's going to be arriving next year. I'm optimistic mm-hmm. for soccer culture in San Diego. Really? Yeah, so that will be something to watch. We'll be able to talk about that a little, a little bit later. But the Padres are our focus. Certainly, what Rob and I discuss the most often on a weekly standpoint, and certainly as we because our conversation with you is going to be mostly national based, but we will have mm-hmm. some probably more Padre Padre centric flair in our observations tonight right we started out as a san diego fleet podcast as we talked about before and uh that derailed very quickly yeah. <laughs> so here we are talking about the padres and uh we'll do a little bit about the chargers too when they come up just because of the san diego connection yeah yeah well shoot good year to be talking about the padres yeah for sure so just to shout out our our, our instagram which is our primary platform mm-hmm. at shutdown podcast it has a link to all of our posts mm-hmm. we again we post our podcast once a week and then we have a few what we call odd pots, which are topic genres. We talked over the summer on Game of Thrones, the Passion Project. We're going to have, especially in the month of July, which Jake, you know, is a kind of a down month for sports, yep. especially yep. now that All-Star, we're going through that, the All-Star game being tomorrow as we tape this on a Monday night. Uh, July is a pretty dormant month. You have kind of the open championship if you're into golf. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. NBA free agency is over, so... We're going to have some fun podcasts over the summer on television programming that we'd recommend that you watch if you're into binging, that sort of thing. So, so, so some for everybody, Rob. Right? Absolutely. Think? Yeah, absolutely. We try to get into what's popular at the moment and what kind of interests us. And we always appreciate feedback. And if anybody has suggestions, too, we're down to talk about just about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I like, you got you to gotta be able to take some feedback. That's for sure. Um, I like where you guys are at. I'm excited. You mentioned, obviously, All-Star Game tomorrow. That's kind of why we're here tonight. Yep. We... Uh, connected a little bit over social media yeah i liked your podcast i thought it was awesome i actually reached out to you guys and said hey let's get together because so grateful for that man we really oh are. yeah i'm pumped i'm pumped you answered and it's funny i live in vista you guys i asked where you guys are from so we could find a mutual place to do this and i got back san marcos and vista I'm like, oh, yeah <laughs> beautiful easy. right a couple yeah. north county san diego guys which is awesome um and you grew up here yes yes yep. so born raised here yeah, I so I'll start. So we're gonna repeat just so you can distinguish between Rob and myself. So I'm Chuck Gregory, just to get my voice down. I grew up essentially in Vista my entire life. Traveled a little bit. We had a five year stint in Orange County. Still worked there, but lived back here. And I have I went to RBV High School, undergrad at UCSD, University of San Diego for my law career, my day job. So I know San Diego culture. 
we could talk about how when the Chargers left, it just kind of stung. Mm-hmm. It, took, it took about a year for me to recover from that. I, I love the NFL, but that particular season, I was very demoralized from watching it. Mm-hmm. Came back the second year, still work for Philip Rivers, but you know, Rob and I have known each other for about the last five years. Yep. And, you know, we're former roommates and just have a passion for sports. And as we were telling Jake earlier, we would have conversations in our living room just about this and finally decided in January of this year, early February, to take the leap and do this weekly. And we've gotten good feedback, good practice. It's nice getting the reps in. And it's now a routine, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'm born and raised here as well, Escondido. Uh, I've lived in every city off the 78, so I know 78 very well, and <laughs> traffic only gets worse. Hmm. Uh, but I went to Oceanside High School and uh, Cal State San Marcos, got my degree from there. So I've uh, been here my entire life other than eight months where I moved to Sacramento briefly uh, and came back very quickly because the weather in San Diego is hard to beat. So prices kind of suck, but uh, it's hard to beat otherwise. So brought me back, and plus I have family here, and a lot of friends and things like that, so um, it's hard to get away from San Diego. That's for sure. Okay. It really, it really is. It's more. It's like the epitome of there's no place like home. Yeah, travel around a little bit, see some stuff, and you eventually go I'm, wherever I'm at now. I'm gonna, the goal is probably to move back to San Absolutely. Diego. Now, Jake, for our listeners, we know that you are the baseball coach of Crossbed High, but mm-hmm. you have a, kind of a very interesting background that I know our listeners. So we know that your audience knows who you are, mm-hmm. but for our listeners, kind of give us a little bit of feedback on your end, just yeah. in terms of your journey over the past decade in particular. Yeah, um, it's been an interesting one. You know, I, I grew up here, went to, actually went to Calvary Christian Vista, a small little school that doesn't even exist anymore. It's just Remember a church. Remember where that was. Yeah. yeah. It's just a church now, which is wild. But um, played my college ball up north, top of California at Shasta College, came down here. We talked earlier about primetime batting cages, which was in mm-hmm. Vista. Um, right when I got back here, answering an ad to work there, uh, got got a job real quick, and then <clears throat> the, everything from there on out just kind of piled up and and led me to where I am. And I'll super brief where I'm at. Um, I am coaching at Carlsbad High School. The head guy there, which is a lot of fun for me. Um, just a very cool way to affect people, be around the kids, be around the game. Keeps me young, that's for sure. Yeah, but you're the varsity. Coach. Yeah, yeah so I, I think that's important I, to distinguish. Just yeah. there are a lot of coaches, there are people mm-hmm. under you, but you know, power program of North County. It's important to know that you're like the guy across but high. Yeah, trying yeah. to rebuild that program. Yeah, it's for sure, and it's fun. It's a it's a daunting task every year because it's always different. Um, but yeah, their coach there own a five tool hitting center in Carlsbad, and run a travel baseball program. So all things baseball all the time. Uh, but it all just kind of worked that way to save the 10-year gap. It just I never really pursued any of it. It all just kind of kept coming. People were like, well, what's, what are you trying to do when your job as a coach or this, that, or the other thing? And it was always my answer was always just trying to do my job better than everybody else that does my job. Like there's a million of us. I don't know. I'm just trying to do it good. And so many opportunities came through that. So I think if I could give any kind of message to people, just whatever you like, Go, go do it. Go figure it out. Go work hard at it. And it usually will kind of line you up in a direction. So that's where I'm at now. But, yeah, it, local guy left for years for college and knew I'd, I'd always end up back here. Mm-hmm. And here I am. So, uh, but yeah, started the podcast not terribly long ago and have really been enjoying it. It's funny you said it's all about getting the reps because it's no different than sports when yeah. it's like right. you do it, you listen to it. And then you try to get better as you go along and you go, man, would I listen to that? Would I listen to that whole episode or would I check out 15 minutes in? But I'm excited about this one because we we are three guys, I think, that are going to bring a lot to the table as far as a, an all-star game. 
Uh, tomorrow, breakdown, a baseball breakdown, a local sport breakdown, a national breakdown. But I'm just excited. I think this is going to be a lot of fun right here. I agree. So, so let's get right into it. We'll go. Why don't you give us the rundown? Yeah, I get you got the, the honor. List. So yeah. the one thing, Jake, that I get to do that with Rob is I come up every week. I think it's important. This is not an original concept, but the most successful television program from a sports aspect is part of the interruption on ESPN mm-hmm. with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wellbond. And one of the things that made them so effective, and there's been books written on this, why their show is so important is that they allow you to see what they're going to talk about and then have a timer on it. We're not going to have a timer tonight, but it's still important that you kind of know what concepts we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. this evening as we record. So ours, just because we want to, is going to be baseball-centric today. So we're going to start just with recap on the first half of Major League Baseball, as well as some second-half predictions, which I think will be uh, spark some interesting debate. In addition to that, we're going to talk about the All-Star Game rosters, have a couple discussions on whether or not every team should have one representative. I think there's an argument for both, Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I do believe that it does divide fans. Go over some questionable selections and snubs. Rob and I have one very obvious one. If you listen to our podcast, we'll share that with you, being a San Diego-centric one. And then we're going to end with some winners and losers in baseball, which will be more focused on kind of individuals. Jake wanted to talk about kind of offensive juggernauts, the best defensive teams, the best pitchers in terms of that. And then we're going to close with an all-star moment that has been endearing to each of us. Mm-hmm. As three of us have grown up with baseball, have memories of the all-star game. It's nice that's being revitalized. We're going to start by talking about the home run derby mm-hmm. in a second. Mm-hmm. It's nice that that's coming back, Rob. And I think that it's something that we all share in common. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think baseball is, well, obviously Jake's, but our biggest following and our biggest passion as well in all sports. We love football and we love uh, the NBA, but baseball is definitely one that we kind of resonate more with and we all enjoy talking about it. So it's going to be fun to get into that, all three of us. Yeah, it really is. I'm excited. So that being said, we're going to jump right into it here with the first half recap and kind of second half of what we think this is going to look like. Because every year, you know, I think every year, not that it's, always the same but you're always going to get a hot team and a cold team in the first half and second half and you're going to get a team that goes from you know world series contenders to 25 games lost out of 30 and it's a streak that people never saw coming and it's sorry about it you're not anywhere near a contender anymore so i think it'd be interesting to kind of recap where they're at and see how see how we kind of can envision the future of the MLB for 2019. So let's go. Why don't you guys give me first? So let's, let's talk Padres. I yeah, mean, we, we wanted to talk more. the Padres yep. just to get it kind of out of the way, yep. and then the rest of the conversation will be national, mm-hmm. probably for more of your listeners. So for us, the Padres had what we expected. Rob and I had a win-loss prediction on our very first pod, what we thought they were going to do for the year, and we both had them around 82 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, if they're above 500, that's a win for the year. What's their record at the All-Star break? 45-45. and 45. Surprising series win against the Dodgers after come following a sweep again to the Giants, the worst team in the NL they West. They take three out of four or two out of three from the Dodgers? Three out of four. Three out of four, three out of four, yeah. out of four right? So very impressive. Anytime you win a series in L.A. or even against the Dodgers as a whole. Especially this year. That was impressive. Yeah. Dodgers are the best team. Very impressive. We're going to get to them in a moment on our NL, te- NL teams of note. But uh, essentially the theme for the Padres, Rob, is they're relevant this year. That certainly mm-hmm. probably was solidified with the Manny Machado signing, let alone mm-hmm. what Fernando Tatis has done in his performance in his rookie season. But it's also coupled with inconsistency. They have a lot of um, win and losing streaks. They're a very up-and-down team. 
and predominantly rob a bad bullpen that has kind of plagued us as Padre fans and has just driven us nuts. Yeah, the bullpen is a, a surprising one because it's been our strength for the last how many ever years, and we have one of the best pitching coasters in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we didn't see that coming. Uh, he's very. We had some of the guys that we still have that are not pitching as well this year. Um, the offense we knew would eventually come around. It has recently. Uh, Machado's been hot. Tatis has been good all year long. But like you said, they've been exciting the most exciting uh, in a long time, probably since 2010. Yep. Uh, and it, that's been consistent. But the, the winning streaks and losing streaks is to be expected for a team that we expect to be about 500. So, a couple, um, yeah. So, so, so I was say a couple of stats before we bring Jake back in. So, Dennis Lynn writes, used to be the Padres beat writer for MLB.com. He was mm-hmm. recruited by The Athletic. If you guys have the ability and want how journalism used to be with in depth think pieces on the sports realm, I recommend The Athletic. It's usually about 3 bucks a month. Excellent article. So Dennis Lynn is the Padres correspondent for The Athletic, and he wrote okay. a great piece today on uh, profiling the first half of the Padres season following the Dodgers win. So two games back in the wild card. They essentially have a 14% chance of making the playoffs, which is higher than it, it basically went up eight, uh, 6% after the three-game uh, series win against the Dodgers. But the interesting tip is they had – Pirates have seven three-game winning streaks this year and three losing streaks of five-plus games, which shows you how mm-hmm. inconsistent they mm-hmm. can be as a young team. One thing I'll also note, 19-23 and 23 against sub-500 teams. I did not know that they were that poor against the bad teams. Are they really? So that was pretty I interesting. And then the last thing of note, they are 28-23 and 23 when Tatis Jr. plays. So just some interesting bits. As a guy that follows the Padres yep. here locally, yep. what are your kind of observations yeah, on that? I see, the I see the same thing. It's funny, too. Like I said, I own a baseball facility, so I get Padre fans in and out every day. And it is, it's been hilarious to me to watch because it's like Monday after a good four days, it's like, Padres are awesome. Love those guys. Yep. And then by Friday, they're like, these freaking guys, here we go again. It's like yeah. it's this roller coaster, and, and you don't. You don't go 500 in the major leagues without having a roller coaster. You just don't. Nobody exactly. wins two and loses three and wins four and loses three. It doesn't go that way. It goes in, well, we blew the save nine times out of 11, yeah. and we were winning, and it's annoying. So baseball is a streaky game no matter how you look at it, hitting, pitching, whatever. So from my perspective, um, I love seeing them play well. I think it's awesome. I love that the the guys that they wanted to be difference makers and exciting are doing their jobs. I'm glad that Manny is not doing what Bryce Harper is doing. That makes me happy. Like I and I'm not a big Padre fan. I'm a San Diego guy, uh, but I like I said in a podcast earlier. I like to see them win, and I feel for them when they lose because I want to see good things happen to them. But that this series or this season for me has been a lot of fun to watch them. They're just good. They're a good baseball team. And whether I'm a huge fan or not, um, there's no arguing with the fact that they're exciting. They're young. The future is bright. If they keep them, that is one thing the Padres like to do, trade a bunch of young talent for some aged veterans for a year and see what happens. So I'm hoping that they're smart enough and Preller can do his his job here and keep these guys together um, and just see what they do for the next four or five years. Because baseball's tough to to not look into the future when your team starts doing well are the Padres going to win the World Series this year probably not probably not but are they a viable contender in two to three years or maybe next year if they add a piece or two uh, are they uh, can they make a, even a playoff run this year with a trade deadline couple pickups of maybe a couple relievers absolutely so it's kind of a fun time for Padres and, and it's been a long time since they've been that way right. a really long time um, for the true fan that says, we want a World Series. We don't want a, a, a above 500 season. 
we want to we want a World Series, and I th- I don't think they're far off from that. I think that's kind of crazy. I well, I think Padre fans are pretty realistic, and the fact that they have a relevant team that's exciting mm-hmm. and scores runs, it's a it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. I do not Rob want them to get hyper aggressive this offseason, and I think they're going to be tempted to because they're two games out of the wild card. We're going to get into the NL teams in our next segment. However, I am afraid that not Preller. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that Fowler and the ownership group is so desperate to get back to the playoffs and to build that goodwill. I don't want them to more, not necessarily mortgage the farm, but I'd be worried they would overpay to bring, I'm not going to say Baumgartner, but someone of that type to give them an opportunity to make a push for the wild card. The Dodgers are clearly going to win mm-hmm. the National League West. That's, they have the, I think their odds, at, according to fan graphs, are 98.5%. So mm-hmm. unless they have multiple cataclysmic injuries, they're going to win divisions. So you're chasing the opportunity to have one playing game mm-hmm. that you're probably not going to win because you're probably going to be on the road. I don't know, Rob. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's it, they definitely they might jump the gun. Twenty twenty one was kind of the projection for the Padres being good, but they've been better than. I mean, we're five hundred, which is what a lot of teams or a lot of players and people thought that the Padres would be. But they're exciting. Tatis is better than even we thought he would be, at least in halfway through yeah. the season. Yeah, he's like the LeBron James of expectations. He looks where ridiculous. Pretty high, and then all of a sudden you exceed those he expectations. Exceeds, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, and I don't think anybody predicted us signing Manny Machado, and and the Padres did. So no, that was wild. Kind of sped up the course <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it, I put him. I, I acted like it was a joke for Padre fans, but you just keep hoping, guys. Right. Good luck. Right. All of a sudden, I was like, good, good hoping, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you got him. As he fades back into the bushes. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, exactly. so that, that's going to speed up, like you said, the owners and their expectations, and we might go into next year expecting to be deep in the playoffs, and that could make them very trigger-happy. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I read an article that said if they make it this year, it's a year ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. And the article is about Andy Green, if he's the right guy, but they were just talking about how if they go this year, it is earlier than expected, which I think is cool. And just real quick on Preller, um, I know a guy that was in the organization with the Padres when he was there, and I have this image of him in my head now because he he would call meetings at you know he'd text people these these people in the organization at ten eleven at night and go hey uh, four thirty five a.m. meet at the field we got we got to talk about some things he was always like just this crazy like never ending cycle which you probably have to be if you're going to be in that business but and it's like he, he described him as a cartoon. And like a Tasmanian devil where it's like he'd call this 5 a.m. meeting and we'd all kind of be there like, okay, like, all right, let's see what he's got today. And he'd come in at 5 a.m. like Tasmanian devil. Like he'd be there for 20 minutes talking, excited, pumping everybody up on let's go get this guy. Let's go do that. Let's get it done and leave. And everybody's like, okay, I'm going to go get my coffee now and digest what just happened. But so when you guys talk about hoping they don't get trigger happy and kind of do things, I think that's part of why people feel that way because he is that way. but. I'm the same. I hope he takes a long-term approach to this and says, let's build this team for yeah. the next five years and make it right. I still think he's uh, somewhat stung by, we were talking about, you're asking us what year they made the first attempt, 2015, mm-hmm. when they brought in Kemp and some of the other ones in that experiment, even though they had a decent April and May, just absolutely blew up in the Padres' face. Not and unexpected. We had to train yep. everybody away. Yep. That, I think, humbled him. But I'm more worried about the ownership group that has changed and really wants to build on the goodwill. Attendance is up for the Padres this year. They're only one of six teams in Major League Baseball where attendance is up. Really? Uh, attendance is down for the most part. Regional television is doing very well for baseball, but the Padres are one of the rare ones. It's a, do you like? I think Petco Park is the best it's ballpark amazing. besides 
Fenway Wrigley, which I think you have to exempt because they kind of have the historical significance. Yeah, there's a mystique to them by being there for so So the long. new ballparks, I've been to eight or nine myself. There's an argument to me for a couple, but I think we're very blessed that Petco Park, for most people, is one of the top five or six ballparks in the country. Yep. They were well-received. They had the All-Star Game I'm wearing, as we're recording tonight, the hat of the 2016 All-Star Game, which I got to attend the festivities three years ago. And I, I think having that experience is important. And if they can just wait and have the foundation. If the right deal comes, it's not too costly, of course, but just don't mortgage you know, all of our pitching prospects, our second. I mean, we still have the number one or number two farm system, depending on what demographic you're talking about. That's removing Tatis, who's no longer a part it, of that it's list. It's number one in a lot of polls. Yeah. yeah. You have Mackenzie Gore, who's going to probably be making his appearance next year. Yep. You have um, Urias, who had a stint, came back, but probably if Kinsler is dealt uh, to the AL team, which has been rumored, because mm-hmm. I think he has value for an American League team where he can be kind of a DH and a second baseman. Probably not the value for the Padres. Hasn't really worked out. He's hitting in the low 220s yeah. and hasn't had a lot of goodwill. We have a very famous uh, encounter, Rob, with uh, a site affiliated with uh, Ian Kinsler. So mm-hmm. we're on their radar. Yep. He, uh, he's the co owner of uh, a company that we. Got into some beef with on Instagram, so that was oh really that yeah. was fun yeah it was a lot of fun. He's got a very passionate uh, fan base. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, clean. we don't we're not a believer in dirty talk, but we were just highlighting at the time that he was hitting below 180, and he's not a bad contract, two years, eight million dollars. But yeah, for a veteran leader's standpoint, especially when you have a youth move with Jake, I mean, it's kind of you already to me you have May Machado and you have Eric Hosmer, so you yeah. have to me the veteran leadership that's there. So yeah. unless you're performing. I think it should be younger guys, mm-hmm. and I just don't think it kind of makes them. Uh, that's why Mill Myers, who's kind of the other one that we are deathly worried about as Padre fans, because he has three years, sixty million plus owed on mm-hmm. his contract after this year. That's the stuff that I think that they're going to have to confront this offseason. So we're excited. We want to make sure that uh, as fans, they kind of build on and have sustained success, similar to the Cubs, similar to the Astros, what the Yankees have done in their farm system, mm-hmm. and kind of pivot of note, Jake. Uh, I, we kind of, uh, as we talk about the NL teams of note mm-hmm. that we think are doing well as we assess the first half, I have them in three tiers. I only have two teams in the first tier uh, as teams I think for sure are making the playoffs the Dodgers, the NL West, and the Braves. It's record 60 and 32, 54 and 37 for the Braves. Do you have any other teams that you would put into the top tier as of today? I really don't. I think that I look at those two teams too, and it's just such a clear standout. And in baseball, if everybody stays healthy, it's one of those. It's one of those sports where that team's going to win a series. They're just going to win a series if they're that good and they're that much better. I mean, sixty and and, and thirty two at the break is it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> it's just nuts. But you yeah. know what? You look at the last three years of the Dodgers, and there's been a point in each season that you said, "This is crazy." I can't remember the exact stats, but was it last year where they went on that like? 52 games out of 70 they won or whatever yeah, it was right nuts. they couldn't lose they just couldn't lose so i look at teams like that and you go and that plays they made it to the world series both years in the last two years because they're just the best team and when you're healthy good things happen the, the only thing about the dodgers i'll talk about this later when we kind of make our predictions mm-hmm. is it's hard to tell whether they're lucky or they just don't go away but a lot of good things happen to them late in games. Mm-hmm. And that always scares me for a team going into playoffs where you're now seeing one of the best closers in baseball all the time, and you're not going to get a guy that's going to come blow it. So for me, yeah, Dodgers, Atlanta, both very, very good. And I just don't see anybody – I don't see anybody in the division putting up really much of a big fight against them on the way. 
completely agree. I really don't. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There's a lot of parity in the NL specifically, but especially the NL West, other than the Dodgers. Everybody mm-hmm. else is just kind of around the same, so yeah. nobody's really going to put up a fight. Yeah, and I, I just think in a, in, a, in a series, you better be good to stand a real chance. But yeah. if you're going to try to go beat the Dodgers four times and you're a 500 team, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll go. Well, before we go into the middle teams, which was, as Rob mentioned, the parity in the National League is pretty striking, even uh, compared to most years. Uh, we'll pivot ahead to the bad teams. So, Jake, I have the Mets, Giants, Reds, and Marlins. Marlins are the worst team in baseball, besides probably the Orioles, but it's definitely the worst team in the NL. Mets, Giants, and Reds theoretically they're five to seven games back in the wild card, but I have these four teams as the ones that. I really don't believe have any chance to make a playoff run, even with a trade or anything like that. They're they have a different priority. Do you have any disagreement on the bad teams? They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad. I've been watching the Mets, which I the coach of the Mets. Um, do you know his name? No, I, I saw him though because he had the uh, an incident. We'll look him up in a second, but he's been uh, they've been. The New York Post has some brilliant editorial writers and headline writers, and they've been murdering him. All over him. All over i got to say, he's handling it great because I've coached a lot of teams, and I've gone through streaks where you just go, how are we going to lose today? Yeah. You're up by seven in the in the sixth inning, and you don't feel good about it. Yeah. Like, so Mickey Calloway for Mickey, our listeners is the badge of the Mets. So I saw a couple interviews on him throughout the last just brutal losses they've had because they're there. They're kind of in it. And they lose a lot of ball games. They just find a way. Mm-hmm. And he he handled an interview or two that I've seen where he just kind of said, "This sucks. <laughs> this sucks." But you know what? It's we're there. We just got to find a way to finish a game. And it's almost calling out the team in, in the right way, where it's like middle relievers, closers, just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And maybe offense. You know what? Pick up an extra run or two runs in the in the late innings to get it done. So, I, in all honesty, the Mets for me. The Giants just look bad. They look bad. Like you said. They're going to trade Baumgartner. They're yeah, not. They're, they're done. Bochy's they're final done. season. They're he's not. Just, they're cashing in. He, yeah, he's done. They're done. Um, the Marlins, like you said, next to, next to the Orioles. I, they're <laughs> a dumpster fire. Yeah, they're done. Um, and the Reds are the Reds. So, I, I don't know. The Mets are the only team I really look at down there and go, I just kind of like these guys. And I hope something works out for them a little bit because I've been there. I've seen it. Obviously not at a major league level, but I've been through streaks of – just tough, mm-hmm. tough ways to lose ball games, and they're they're getting beat, but they're also finding some ways, and that that's just tough to watch. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, those four teams right there, good season, nothing like the All Star break. Going all right, guys, yeah. get out there. And I always think about the uh, the movie Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Oh, Great movie. movie, one of Great my favorites. Movie. Yeah, Great book. Yeah, you know what it is. I and I know a couple major leaguers. One of them watched it, and he's like, I don't like it because it's so it's so real. Like mm-hmm. it reminds me of the business side of this game and and that's another reason why I think I like the movie because it sounds like they did the MLB justice and what it really is like mm-hmm. but um, I always think about them and like when what's his name Giambi's dancing up on the table and Brad Pitt <laughs> walks in slams the the thing and it's all quiet and he's like oh great I'm up here dancing he's like is this what losing feels like do you guys like this are you having fun yeah and then he goes and he stops for like five ten seconds it's silent he goes this is what losing sounds like this is what it sounds like. And everybody's like, okay, yeah. Like, that's got to be the feeling sometimes as a coach. Like, you just want to walk into a major league clubhouse and blow guys up, mm-hmm. but it's not going to do any good. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough way to get to the All-Star break. All right, guys, let's power through another four and a half months and go see our families. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the offseason. So I, that's just got to be a tough spot for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. As a, a more casual fan than you are, obviously, I always wonder that, you know, 
back third of the season and a team is you know 30 games out of first place or even yeah, making the playoffs. How do you show up every day? What the heck does a coach do during pregame? Hey guys, let's uh, let's go have some fun. Let's go play. Hit the mm-hmm. ball and catch mm-hmm. it. Let's let's go do this. I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine having to give a speech to these major league players when they're that bad. So. Yeah, I, I think at some point they just don't. They're they're there with because you're also there with them. Your job's on the line. You know, you're you're just as irritated and you're just as angry and and you can't go that route where you try to fire up a bunch of high paid phenomenal athletes to save your job. They yeah. don't care. Yeah. yeah. They're trying not to go home. So I think you just kinda gotta be with them. We're all going through it together. We're all in a spot that sucks for us. Mm-hmm. My job's online. Some of you guys, if you're lucky, you'll be traded yeah. <laughs> to a good team, you know. Yeah. So you hope probably your three guys that are playing well, not for your sake because they're going to be gone, Mm -hmm. but the three guys that maybe show up every day with a different energy and a different kind of we want to go play and win, and you might have 22 guys on the roster that aren't, you probably have to look at those guys and go, wouldn't be highly disappointed if you got traded to a contender because you deserve it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. It's a that's a tough one for the bad teams. Absolutely. So let's pivot to the best and most interesting discussion but Rob so we, you agree with the bad teams like no argument for yeah that. the Mets like you mentioned are kind of the best of that bunch because they still have some good players but yeah those are those are definitely the bottom feeders I would say those four teams today the Mets have the most optimistic oh, future yeah. based mm-hmm. on the talent they do have two all-stars with DeGrom who's still pitching very well just isn't getting the office support mm-hmm. similar to last year and then P. Alonso, we're going to recap the ML or Homer Derby later on in the pod but they have at least a couple anchors on that team yeah. to be optimistic so the best conversation is we mentioned two teams that are really good, four teams that are really bad. There are 15 teams in the NL. That means nine teams are within two and a half games of the wild card spot or the NL Central lead. Mm-hmm. So here are those teams. I'm going through the records because they're all kind of bunched together. The Cubs are half game up in the NL Central. But you have the Nationals, the Phillies, the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, the Cardinals, the Rockies, and the Pirates, all within two and a half games of the wild card through 90 games, essentially. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of the interesting thing. Well, we've already discussed enough with the Padres. So, Rob, we'll go to you first. Of those non-Padre teams in that group of eight, what's kind of striking to you of the, in that middle group? Um, I think probably the Cubs and the Brewers because I feel like they probably have the most talent out of all of those teams. And I felt like they'd be a little bit further, maybe not ahead, but kind of closer to winning the division or leading the division than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christian Yelich and the Cubs still have a pretty great lineup and decent pitching. So, um, I, and they just signed uh, Craig Kimbrell. So I thought that they'd be they'd kind of further themselves from the pack a little bit. So those would be like my my two kind of surprises so far in the first half. Fair enough, Jake. What do you think? Um, yeah, I would look at that too. The Cubs, we got Madden. You got guys that have been there. You got a young, energetic group. Uh, they're not going to go away. They're, you got Bryant. You got Rizzo. You mm-hmm. got obviously Baez. Those guys, all those guys have been there. They've seen it. They broke a 110 year, eight year curse. Mm-hmm. What was it at the time? Eight? Yeah. 108, 108 year curse. Most of those guys were part of that. So I think that team is a team you'll never rule out as far as being able to get something done. They've, They've gone. They've accomplished something no team ever has. You don't go 108 year streak and <laughs> yeah. and break that. But yeah, I agree. I think some teams in that in that NL. I I can never discount the Rockies. Um, I know Dave Roberts is a buddy of mine, and he spoke so highly of Bud Black. And and I always kind of look at that and go, you can't really d- take a coach and and put in a team in the right mental spot at that time in the year um, to take them out and there. They're not having a great season, but the D-backs are always there too. So I, those are a couple teams for me that might, you know, I, they're not having a good year whatsoever. The Rockies are struggling. Diamondbacks aren't great. They're above 500, but 
two teams there that I always look at and almost maybe root for a little bit, but also you never know. They're always around. They're just always there kind of in the end. Phillies are a question mark for me. I, I, I don't know how they're going to handle that time of the season. If they get there, I don't see it going well. I don't know. It's tough to see because nowadays when you uh, – for me, I guess being a coach, I look at a different side of it, right? Yeah, sure. So you look at the the Dodgers that play well, the Cubs that play well. You look at the – and those two coaches are so different. They're so free and easy and life is good. And you can tell their teams have fun playing baseball. They have a ton of fun playing baseball. And then you look at the Yankees, right? And and I think he's probably the same way over there. Keeps them loose and happy. And then you look at a guy with the Phillies, like uh, what's his name? Um, Gabe. Gabe. Gabe Kapler. Kapler. Kapler, Yeah. Strong man. You look at him, and he's very just serious. And it's yeah, he's intense. And it's like reminds you of the old Phillies manager Larry Boa. Remember him? Yeah. He was very. I mean, he was a former Padres manager before that, but I just remember him as. Just kind of crazy, intense mm-hmm. guy, and I don't. I, I the Philly fan base in all of their sports is very intense, so I know that's part of the culture there. But that's why I was surprised Harper signed. I, it was certainly a financial decision. He got the most yeah. money from the Phillies. He got the thirteen-year deal. However, I think from a cultural standpoint, in my mind, the Phillies don't do well. Harper's getting paid no matter what, so yeah. I think Gabe is the one yep. that takes the burden. And yep. they're my list of. I'm surprised they're forty-seven and forty-three, but. I actually am pleasantly surprised by what the Nationals have done. As someone that, I mean, Harper left them. They Everyone just kind of dismissed them like, oh, they're going to have to figure out. They're just going to play through the season and then trade their guys. Max 40. Scherzer's been awesome. Broken yeah. nose aside, I understand. Uh-huh. He pitched uh-huh. himself, uh, learning how to, you know, trying to practice bunting. He pitched uh, very well. I mean, I know the record says he's 9-5. That's a little bit below average for him. Is Erie still 2.3? Yep. He's got crazy endurance. He always, unlike our, I say our, as a Padres fan, pitchers who we very rarely get to see past the sixth inning. Oh, yeah. He's in the eighth and the ninth routinely. Yeah. And that's kind of, he reminds me of the one of the remaining old school guys, even from when you were playing, Jake, in like high school and college and going through that, even 10 years ago. I really think this past decade has softened up oh. players. Oh, great. In a tremendous way. I know that they try and rationalize it by saying that we're trying to preserve them, but the counter to that is you have a lot of pitchers that are like almost preemptively getting Tommy John surgery. They are taking more time off, more rest days. That just I don't think was a part of the culture even when we were all growing up. Let alone like last you know what our parents' generations grew up with. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why Max Scherzer is endearing. I'm happy that the Nationals from that standpoint are doing well. They have had no success. They've had a lot of postseason heartbreak in particular the last five years. So they are my pleasant surprise in terms of doing well I disagree with you guys uh, Rob in particular the Cubs I think they're a huge disappointment even last year I understand they lost the two playing games to the Brewers for the division title and then to the Rockies the day after however they still won 95 games last year mm-hmm. they're two years away at removed from a World Series I I 47-43 I, I think Madden's on the hot seat and the only thing that's helping them is the Brewers had a, with you know have had a pretty bad last couple of weeks yeah uh, I think the Cubs are disappointed. They've I mean, definitely underachieved. The, I mean, it's World that's Series sure. or bust for them. That's the standard, and that's fine. They accept that. If uh, so, Jake, if if you're a Cubs fan, are you? I don't want to disclose. Are you a Cubs? Is that your team? No. What's your team of no, allegiance? No, no. I, I'm a, I like the Texas Rangers. Okay, number one. Um, my dad grew up there. Okay, well, he was born Corpus Christi, Texas. He liked them a little bit. 
I grew up as a kid just liking him. And he's same. I'm not really like my dad. Texas fan. Grew up in San Diego, so I root for him. I know Dave Roberts, so I root for the Dodgers. Okay. If he went to Seattle tomorrow, I'd root for Seattle. Okay. I'm rooting for Dave more than the Dodgers. But, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, no, not a Cubs fan. I did a podcast. Actually, the first one I ever did, I made a bet um, with the guy that I did the podcast with that the Cubs would have a bad year this yeah. year. And it was more that he's a super Cubs fan. I just wanted to, like, argue with him a little bit. Super right? Cubs yeah, fans. Yeah, and I, I just understand. wanted to, like, tell him. We, I, we actually bet, like, 50 bucks, and I can't remember the number. I put something relatively low on their win column and said, I bet they don't get this many wins. Good call. And, uh, I, you know, watching them, I'm not terribly surprised. I just, I just think it's hard in the MLB to sustain a, a year-in, year-out, very good year. I mean, the, all the scouting now and the numbers, it's like it just is so hard to be that good all the time. Mm-hmm. And when you have – these free swingers, these Dominicans that come in and they're so easy to see. Puig, nobody could figure him out for one year. Mm-hmm. And that's all it took. Mm-hmm. It took an offseason of going, okay, this guy's arrived. Here he is. How do you pitch to him? And all of a sudden, he's always a threat at the plate, but he's not a consistent, we're worried about this guy. Right. You know, if, if we're, we're worried about him hitting 340, because that's what he's going to do. He's not a Yelich. He's not a guy that's going to go up there and put up these solid numbers. But that's why I look at the Cubs and go, I'm not surprised by by the way they are. They got a lot of electric guys, and electric guys are easy to unplug sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Before we shift gears, Rob, to the predictions, before I go to the American League, uh, do you think if the Cubs don't make the playoffs, which I, it's really a coin flip. They're, I mean, the, the, the division, there's every team but the Reds is not is very blah. So it basically, it's the, it's the NL West minus the Dodgers. Like the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Padres are in that same category of three. Mm-hmm. There's four in the Central. If the Cubs don't make the playoffs, do they blow it up? I think they do. They probably should. Yeah, I get that. I mean, their hitters, you talked about, Jake, you talked about inconsistency. And their players in general are inconsistent. I mean, um, Rizzo started off very, very slow. Chris Bryant's always up and down. The guy mm-hmm. can't seem to figure it out. Javier Baez gets hot at certain times. Uh, and then will be very, very cold. Um, so they're just kind of inconsistent altogether, uh, as as well as individual players. So yeah. I think they might have to start looking at that. And um, their run is kind of running out, I think. So yeah. yeah, I think they need to start thinking about the future. They do have like, a, a, a one of the probably all-time GMs and presidents in terms of the, you know, having the ability to have championships in Boston and Chicago. Mm-hmm. I he's cutthroat, and I think if he knows it's not going to happen, I think he's going to shake it up before the deadline. Soon. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. He absolutely will. So that's I think they're my wild card team, part of the pun to watch before the trade deadline. I think they could do something pretty crazy. I agree. And I also think they are I agree with you guys. It's it's playoff, deep run, World Series or bust for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they don't get there, then good luck. Yeah, and so we'll see what happens. So we'll, yeah, we'll Jake, we'll start with you in terms of who do you think I think we we already established the Dodgers and the Braves for all three of us are gonna be the division winners um by this postseason. Who do you have win the other two, or the other division, I should say, and then the two wild cards? Well, you'd be a fool, obviously, not to look at the Yanks and where they're at right now. Well, we're, we're starting in the NL. Yeah, starting in the NL because we're going to go to the AL. I want to make sure if we have. I, that yeah, time if them. I can go, mm, if I can go, we're at we're a wild card look. We'll start with the Central first. Who do you think is going to win the Central Division? Uh, the Central Division for me has got to be uh, torn. I'm torn between the Cubs and the Brewers. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Brewers. 
Okay. I think they are. I think they're in a spot that they're going to kind of look and go, this is our chance. We were, we were around last year. We're good. We're pretty much returned, right, as a team. Uh, and I think that they are in a spot that says we can come, we can get together and figure this thing out and, and make a run. So I would, I would look at the Brewers there. Rob, real quick before the wild card, who do you have us to win in the Central? I actually agree with with the Brewers. They they still have Yelich and they still have Mustakas. He's having a great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got twenty seven or twenty eight homers now. Um, they they have the best team I think on paper in that division. Um, and we just talked about the Cubs inconsistencies. The Cardinals I don't think ha- quite have enough, and uh, Goldschmidt hasn't been doing kind of what the team and players have expected him to do. So the Pirates are good, but I don't see them really making a run and, and the Reds are garbage. So uh, <laughs> I, th- I think the Brewers run away with it. I think the Cubs are going to hold on. I do think, I don't think they're going to win the World Series, but I do think they're going to hold on to the division because it's weaker. I give the starting pitching depth to them in a ro- rotation and I can see them making a run, even though he's on Mass and Bumgar's list. That's something that they might do. The reason is that because Lester's still good. Cole Hamels, before his injury, was doing very well. And Kyle Hendricks said about that bounce back year. It's you, Darvish, who's been terrible. He's been a mm. terrible sighting the last two years. And, you know, if they relegate him to a five and do what they have to do, they know this is the last year of their window. And they have the opportunity, they have the experience that they could just get into the tournament. I do not think they could beat the Dodgers in a five, let alone a seven game series. However, they get another pitcher. From the Giants, who loves pitching against the Dodgers and will be rejuvenated in a five-game series in particular, if they were to meet in that first divisional round, I could see them gain it. I just don't see a team in the Central. The Brewers would be the best candidate, but I certainly don't see the Cardinals this year no. making a run. And, you know, the Pirates, I mean, unless they're playing the Padres, who they own our soul, uh, winning six <laughs> or seven games this year, I don't see that happening well, as well. you take Josh Bell out of the Pirates, and I don't know what they're at, so... Yeah. All right, Jake, wildcard teams. Let me ask you oh. this real fast. Yeah. Bumgarner goes to the Cubs. Yeah. You, uh, How many people are tuning into that game in the playoffs if he goes Bumgarner versus the Dodgers after what happened with the Dodgers oh, yeah. oh, three Max, weeks Max ago? Max Muncy? Right? Oh, yeah. How do you not – as competitive as he is – MLB would love that. They're gonna put, ha- I guarantee they, they would, they would put him against Kershaw even if it was a game have one. To. Have I to. think they would just do it. I they think they would, would roll the dice. I agree. <laughs> and you know what? I think Bumgarner is, is a guy that you feel so good in that spot. I like Bumgarner. Whatever the biggest impact game of the series is – Throw. It reminds yep. me, uh, he doesn't have the velocity, but Verlander, when he left Detroit mm-hmm. to Houston, and this, he's an all-star starter tomorrow, he had the is the primary reason I think they won the World Series. He had the talent, you know, Altuve with Houston, that, that core group. But mm-hmm. that's what pushed them over the edge. I think Baumgartner will have that effect. He's also in a contract year. He wants a one more three- to four-year deal as a lefty. His velocity, I was reading StatTrack, and his – Velocity and stats have been about the same. It's just he has got no run support, and when he gives up three or four runs, he loses those games. And well, we've talked about this too on one of our podcasts. I think he's he's the biggest wild card this this year because he's going to get dealt, mm-hmm. and he reminds me exactly of Verlander because Verlander we knew he was good in Detroit in his last couple of years. He'd proven it numerous times. He just was bored. He was on a bad team. They weren't going to make it. And he gets traded to the Astros, and they win the World Series, and he has the most dominant second half we've probably ever seen. Like, I really can see it's that happening so with Bumgarner. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, he had like a one-one ERA or some stupid number. It was striking almost fourteen a game. It was crazy. Um, but I think that Bumgarner is going to have a similar effect on whatever team he ends up with because he's going to be rejuvenated. He's going to be on a team that's contending more than likely. So yeah. he's going to he's going to come out hot. All right, real quick before we go to the AL, Jake, your wild card teams are what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Padres here. Wow! 
We got I, an optimist I, here. I would like to <laughs> see it. I think I just think that there. I think there's a lot to be said about a team that is young and fun and not not there's no pressure for them there it's like we're already ex- exceeding expectations this year let's might, might as well go do something special might as well squeeze in there and get it done i feel like in just watching baseball in general that's a team to me that uh, they just might go I, they just might do it i don't know i'd like you think to see they had it. to make a move to get there though um, yeah, I think they got to pick somebody up. Okay. I think they got to get somebody. And like you said, I don't think it has to be at, at a big expense. I think they can find the right guys if they do their research and the money makes sense and they don't lose. Uh, I think they're not far away. They're they're 500 at the break, which is pretty amazing. They obviously showed what they can do with the Dodgers team that is absolutely rolling through everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as just wins, they might not be dominating everyone, but they're winning. I think the Padres are – there's a little something there for them. And I, uh, maybe I'm optimistic. We hope you're right. I was going to say, maybe I'm optimistic about <laughs> yeah. it because I like, I like where we're at, but I just feel like they could – I feel like they might be the guys. Second wildcard team. Um, shoot. I'd have to go – I'd have to go probably – well, we got Diamondbacks in the mix, yeah. right? I'd have to go with the Diamondbacks. Fair enough. Rob, yeah. what do you have your, your two wildcard teams? So I think whoever doesn't wind up making it, um, the division leader in the central, I think, whether it's the Cubs or the uh, Brewers, one, okay. of the, one of them is going to take the wild card, the second or one of the wild card spots. I love the optimism on the Padres, and I, <laughs> I would love to pick them, but to just to not be a homer, because I mean, the bullpen's got to get better in the second half, right? They yeah. can't be any worse. I mean, it's ridiculous, but for the sake of not being a homer, I actually like the Rockies because they've been known to get hot especially in the second half, and they've got the team to do it. They've still got Arenado, and mm-hmm. they still play at cores where they could hit 10 home runs on any given game. Mm-hmm. If they're pitching, if they can figure out the pitching, uh, and Bud Black, you mentioned, is a great coach, so I think they could make a run in the second half. Those are all good arguments. I have, with you, the same. I have the Brewers, since I have the Cubs winning the Central. I think mm-hmm. the Brewers get one mm-hmm. of the wild cards. Uh, they have experience winning a playing game. It was great for the division title last year. It's not technically the wild card game, but they could um, get it done. Uh, I think the Phillies are going to get the second wild card because I think they're compelled with the signs that they made that they're going to make a move at the deadline to get someone to kind of push them over to. the edge. They probably are out of the race against Atlanta. Technically, they're six and a half back. It's possible. They would have to have a really good July to make it more competitive. But I think with their bankroll and whatnot, I think they're going to edge out probably the Padres, who I think are going to cap out at 84 wins. And before we switch to the AL the uh, average win total for the National League wild card has been 91 wins. And right now, the wild card leader is at 47 wins, which would be on pace for 86. So wow. a lot of bunched up groups. So it's going to be a lot of head-to-head. The reason I think the NL West teams have a disadvantage is they have anywhere from 8 to 11 games against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to hurt yeah, their chances, whereas the Central, they're all the same. Yep. The, Amer- or the National League East, they get games against the Marlins. Very that's true. that's that's seven. You know, if you have ten games, you can take seven of those. It's a chicken soup team. So I just I, I think the Phillies have the advantage there. I think the Nationals are going to regress because I don't think they have the depth. And if something happens to their pitching, they don't have the ability to uh, compensate for that. So, but I think the NL is going to be more interesting as we shift gears to our AL teams of note. There are really good teams in the American League. There's a core group of three or four teams that are in the middle, and then there are just a ton of awful teams. It's just Reminds me of the English Premier League, if you're soccer fans, where you kind of have Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester City, Liverpool. You have these dominant teams that have all the payroll and then everything else. So 
Jake, with you first. I have three teams that I think are going to make the playoffs. They happen to be leading their divisions as of today. One of those we are we're eager to talk about, so I'll give you the opportunity, was the Yankees. I have the Astros and the Twins as the three best teams that I think are for sure going to make the dance this October. Agree. I would like to, before I discuss these AL teams, say that your uh, Padre hat and uniform that you wore here tonight mm-hmm. may have a little something to do with my prediction on the wild card. Okay. So if they don't make it... <laughs> That's on you, okay? <laughs> I'm all fired up on the Padres yeah, tonight the with swag. you guys here. I like it. Um, Yankees, obviously. Astros, obviously. The Twins, a surprise, I think. Yes. For everybody. Everyone. Uh, but I can't yeah, I can't disagree with that. The Yankees are – it's just one of those things. If Especially you, with their injuries. I know. That's that's the thing. When you're, when you're that injured, I know. I remember 20, 25 games in, I saw it on MLB Network, and there was – there was literally nine straight guys injured that you would look at and go, this is a starting team for pretty much anybody. Like these guys that are injured and to be 57 and 31 at the break with that those problems and getting healthy now and obviously you're showing what you can do, that's a tough team to contend with at any point because you know they say pitching and defense obviously wins games, but when you got nine guys that are going to leave the yard and you have to go to their short porch sometimes, it's, it's just a good luck. You got to be lucky, I think, to beat those bats. Um, obviously, you got to be very good first, and then you got to get lucky with, because the Major League Baseball, you make two mistakes in a game, and it'll it might cost you the whole game. So, yeah. Yankees, obviously, Astros been there, done that. You expect them every year, and the Twins are just fun. They're mm-hmm. fun, but no, I cannot disagree with those three teams right there. Rob, any disagreements with the best teams? No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Again, the most fun section of this is talking about the playoff contenders, kind of the middle section. So we'll get the bad teams out of the way. I'm going to caveat my first one. The Angels have the talent to make a run. It's just they there's a lot of ups, uphill battle in terms of just where their record's at. So that one can be debated. But I think the other ones, the Mariners, the Tigers, the Royals, the White Sox, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays, no chance. No. No okay. chance. All right. So here's the playoff contenders, the fun stuff. You have the Rays, 52-39, and 39, second place in the AL East. The Indians at 15-38 have done pretty well the last couple of weeks. People were, were, if you're a Cleveland Indians fan, if they had done worse because they were so far behind the Twins, about 11 games at one point, have going to narrow that gap to five and a half. Made things interesting on what they're going to do with the deadline coming later this month. A's, one of those teams we talked about Moneyball. They just are always kind of in the mix, hanging mm-hmm. around. Always there. 50-41. and 41. Red Sox definitely underperforming this year for them, 48-41. and 41. And a Rangers team that... Jake has done pretty well, 48 and 40. I mean, it's not bad. For not what bad. people are expecting, I did not know. I thought this was, uh, they're still kind of in the rebuild mode. So, which of those teams, before we get into our predictions, jumps out to you as just interesting and, to borrow your phrase, provokes optimism? Yeah, I, I watched uh, Orioles and Rays play last week. I really liked the Rays, they hit the baseball. They're a good, they're a good offensive team. I was a little surprised by them. Uh, just because I hadn't been following them much, but in watching them play and seeing their lineup, it's it's a tough one to get through. So I like the Rays there. Obviously, six and a half back of the Yanks, and the Yankees are the Yankees, but <laughs> I like the Rays there. I like them a lot. The Indians, I'm not sold on them, just because I don't know, I don't know what kind of consistency they're going to roll with through that second half. I don't feel particularly good about them. It's kind of the same with the A's. They're they're as good as they are bad sometimes, and that's tough to avoid streaks that way. Just like the Padres, when they're good, they look unbeatable. When they're bad, they look like anybody's going to roll over them. So those three teams, I like the Rays a lot. 
the Indians, uh, okay. And for me, the Athletics and the Rangers, yeah, surprising, nice year. Do I expect them to do anything? Not, not really. <laughs> and the Angels, to your point, yeah, good, but I just don't, I don't see it this Which year. Which is a shame because Rob, they have the best player of our generation, Mike Trout. I understand the knees signed the four hundred plus million dollar deal to stay with the Angels for the foreseeable future. He's very comfortable. He loves living in Southern California. Has a great relationship with Artie Marino, who's treated him very well. I could argue he was underpaid for that contract, but it's a shame that. I don't think they're going to be really, unfortunately, good until probably Pujols' contract comes yeah. off the books, which yep. is about two seasons away after this season. It's two and a half seasons ago. Yeah. It, that was a bad contract. Uh, he hasn't been a horrible player, but you're paying someone you know, in the $30 million a year range over an extended period of time. I think it was eight-year 240. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that can be overcome even for someone with the how, deep pocketbooks of Marino. How old was he when he signed that? 32. Yeah, you're going to get a guy for eight yeah. years, right? They've learned from that deal. Owners don't do that anymore. No, I mean, they don't. They don't do that. Because A-Rod had that type of contract, then Pulhos did, and now that's why Manny was 26 when he signed his. Mm-hmm. They'll pay. Yep. He has a five-year opt-out as well. If he wants to try again at 31, he will. Rob and I both don't see that happening. I think at 31, he's probably going to stick take the $150 million that's guaranteed to him. But yep. um, assuming you don't Rob, have an argument on the Angels, I don't see them as a playoff contender given their roster. What strikes you? We have uh, – he said he wasn't sold on the Indians. He liked the Rays. Any, anything that strikes you? I like the Rays a lot. I've actually always liked the Rays. Uh, just being a Padres fan, they're a small market team, and they always seem to be in the mix. And they always have, seem to have one of the best pitchers in the league. <laughs> it was Chris Archer last year. This year it's Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. So they, their farm system, they do such a good job with building their farm system. So they're always kind of a wild card every year. And I would love to see them get into the playoffs and, and the postseason and uh, possibly make a World Series run again. But I think I actually disagree. And I think the Indians are going to make a run in the second half. Um, I, I actually think they're going to be better in the second half. They have a really good pitching staff uh, that just kind of hasn't lived up to the expectations this year. Um, and Kluber's been hurt. He may or may not come back. That'll that'll make a big difference. But, you know, they have Bieber and Bauer and Clevenger. Clevenger's been hurt most of the first half as well, so hopefully he can get his stuff kind of back together in the second half. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they compete with the Twins for the division. Um, but other than those two, I still think the Red Sox are probably the biggest wild card because they are underperforming and they just have the best team out of all those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they very easily could go on a tear and steal one of the wild card spots from anyone um, if not the division from the Yankees although I think the Yankees are probably the I mean they are the best team in the AL uh, when they get all their players back so yeah. um, those are the three that I definitely see taking two of those well, the two wild card spots. Ram Tangent do you guys think the Rays should split the season half in Tampa Bay and half in Montreal I thought that was kind of a dumb idea it, se- it seemed to me to be a flyer that they are looking to leave because they do Tropicana Field. For those of you listening, is definitively the worst arena slash stadium that baseball has played at. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's old. They don't revitalize it. Tampa Bay's not a huge market for the baseball team. They can they probably have enough fan base to support the Buccaneers in football. But I think it was a flyer to try and say if we really want to move to Montreal. What did you guys think? Like, real quickly on this initial thoughts. I thought that was a really weird story a couple weeks ago. Jake, any thoughts on what you? What was your initial impression? I agree. It's a it's a strange story. I think really strange. I think there's ways to. I mean, you hit a fly ball and it hits a rafter and bounces to a shortstop. That <laughs> might have been might have been a home run and you're out. That's pretty bad. It's just stupid. It's not. You're not getting what you deserve, right? If a guy literally hits a ball that might leave the yard and it it becomes a an F six, like this, that's 
bad. That's yeah. bad. And yeah, you see some games on TV and highlights, and there's 28 people in the stands. You're like, this is brutal. Yeah. So I understand it. It seems like a weird way to go. Mm-hmm. I think if you just said, let me look at Vegas with the Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. How pumped are those people? Mm-hmm. They're so pumped they can't see straight. So I think if you just went with the, hey, 2021, we're moving. Done. You build your fan base for two years now. You get there and they're there and you're good. Yeah. I think going half and half is gonna be a weird, weird way to test that. Yeah, Rob. Before I go into your assessment, the Jake, the what I had read is that lease agreement with Tampa is pretty ironclad. They have a lease agreement on that stadium at Tropicana through 2026. Okay. That they can't get out. Oh, okay. Of. So the reason that this was mm-hmm. that this is what makes sense. I still don't think it works. I don't think you can have a split fan base. It just doesn't make sense. Like. You would be the Tampa Bay Montreal Rays, like it just it doesn't work from an optic standpoint. Uh, so a way to get kind of out of it is if you play, of in, you have eighty-one home games a year. If you play forty-one in Tampa mm-hmm. and forty somewhere else, that allows them to kind of not break the lease. So I, I think it was. Uh, interesting idea. I think it was just kind of a flyer that will probably it already has somewhat gone away. I just was. I think it'd be terrible. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd lose all your Tampa Bay fans. Exactly. The little that are left. The, the little that are left. Go. All <laughs> well, right, you guys are out. We're out. Florida in general has uh, had trouble kind of filling the seats. The Marlins have had the same issues. Uh, and, and the Bucks going mm-hmm. to football, I mean, they they aren't the most uh, attended football games. And the Jaguars, so. the Jaguars, I mean, tarp out 20,000 of their seats, you yeah. know, even when they were good. Florida just has, a tr- has trouble filling the stadiums and the ballparks for all their sports, so... You definitely would lose all those fans, Absolutely. except for the SEC. So if we have our SEC fans; Colin, they Colin, love their college yeah. football. College is definitely yeah. different. <laughs> no doubt. Well, it's more exciting than all their teams. So <laughs> it's true. It's very true. So I'll be brief. So my teams that I will highlight, I agree with the Rays. I think you just have the talent depth to win that at least secure one of the wild cards. I'm just a believer in established teams with payroll and talent making it there. I think the Red Sox are going to overcome a soft, uh, softer than expected first half. Their J.D. Martinez is in a contract year because in, a, in the five-year contract he signed two years ago, he can opt out after this season. He'll be 31. I think he can get another five-year deal, six-year mm-hmm. deal, and he's been yep. hitting the ball extremely well. Mookie Betts is a year away from free agency. I still think he's one of the top five or six players in baseball. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Trout, he would probably be have a good opportunity to, if he, with a good second half to compete for MVP. It looks like Trout just with him being just insane. Yeah, uh, will run away with yeah. MVP this year. Uh, so I think the AL East again, a weird guy. I says ske- uh, scheduling the Red Sox have and the Rays will face the Blue Jays and the Orioles a ton in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think that matters. You could argue that the Indians uh, will face some bad teams in the Central. We're going to know a lot about them, I think, Rob, in two weeks. Because Bauer, if we want the Padres to do well as an example, that, that would be someone that they would try and secure from them. Right. And if the Indians want to play the long game, now would be the time to sell high, get a lot of prospects, and get a big haul. We're talking about these NBA trades off the air. Similar to baseball, this would be the time, even though they theoretically could get a wild card spot. We saw them last year in the divisional round. They got their asses kicked, sorry for the language, mm-hmm. but they did. Mm-hmm. They just are not a team I think that can win, as Jake was alluding to, a three or, or a best of five or a best of seven series. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see it. So, Jake, I'll let you start this one. Who do you think is going to win the, the – we'll start with the NL or AL East. So I think we all have the Yankees winning the division as of today, yes? Yep. yep. So uh, we all have the Astros winning the West. Yep. I think we all have the Twins probably holding on to Central. Unless you, you were the one. Do you think they're going to catch the Twins? 
I actually th- think the Indians will. That's okay. my that's my bold prediction of the mm-hmm. night. I think the Indians are going to catch them. That's bold. Barring any trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, None of the predictions I'm making are... If they try. If trades are in there, then obviously that changes everything. But And, you know, some of that's going to depend on Kluber coming back. But um, I think the Indians are going to make a run at them. Interesting. Okay, so... I think we all have the Rays as one of our wildcard teams. Yep. Yes. So we probably disagree on the second wildcard team. So, Jake, I'll let you go first. Who's your second wildcard team? Second one for me, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same. I'm going to go out a little limb here. I'm going to go – I said I wasn't a big fan, but I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to go with the Athletics. Nice. I'm going to go with the A's squeezing in there. I feel like they're just going to have a second half that – Overachieve a little bit, squeeze in there, probably lose, but squeeze in. That would be classic A's. It would, that's that's, that's, that's exactly what they they've do. Um, it. uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, it it's almost year. like a normal thing. So I yeah. feel like I'm going to go with the A's in that second spot there. Right, what do you think? I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I, again, bold prediction. I think the Twins don't even make the playoffs. It's very bold. I think that the Indians steal it, and I think the Red Sox sneak in to the wild card. Yeah, I think the Twins' talent is just they're peaking. I do not like their chances to get deep in the playoffs. I think they lose in the first round that they play in. That was saying, I thought you were going to pick them maybe to make the wild card. Uh, but I with you, I have the Red Sox mm-hmm. with just the money, the finances. They will have the capacity, which they're probably going to do now, to make a move to um, sure up whether it's their starting pitching or their bullpen, which is notoriously weak. Was a, Actually, as a, someone that has friends in the Boston area, Kimbrell, Drove them absolutely bonkers last year. He was a very effective closer, mm-hmm. but very stressful. Mm-hmm. He just always had base runners. Yeah. So that's why they were laughing when the Cubs signed him to his three-year, $43 million deal. And it'll be interesting to see if the Cubs go through those anxieties with him as their closer. We've seen a little bit, but it's different in the postseason yeah. when it gets more stressful. So awesome. So I think we uh, did a good job, guys, about just talking about the assessment of the first mm-hmm. half. And I think uh, there's been a revitalization in baseball. The dog days of summer are starting now, and hopefully they'll give us some compelling content over the next couple months until football comes back. Agreed. I'm <laughs> looking forward to the next second half. I think it'll be real good. Very World good. Series, real quick. We yeah. don't need any in-depth. What okay. do you guys got? World Series matchup, World Series winner. You first. I like the Yankees and the Dodgers, but I have, I think, a disagreement here with you guys. I think the Yankees take it. Mm. I also have the Dodgers winning the National League. I have them winning the World Series. I hate that I have to say that, but I think they've been to two. They've lost. They haven't won one since 88, which is well known, so it'll be 31 years. I think they have the capacity to take that leap this year. Uh, I have the Astros back in the World Series again. Really? Yeah, I think it's going to be a rematch it's not a, a crazy couple one. years ago. I think Verlander's pitching insanely well like he was. Yep. I think he can carry a team in a series. This might be the last right. I know he's had a two-year, $68 million extension, so he's still going to be well compensated for the next two seasons. I just think the Astros have the capacity to make that run. The way it lines up, the Yankees would theoretically meet the Rays, White, uh, Ye- uh, Rays Red Sox winner in that divisional round, which is something I have a pet peeve on in baseball. I don't like the same division meeting in that second round. I would want to see the Yankees and the Red Sox. If they're going to meet, I would want to see them in a seven-game series, not a best of five like last year. Yeah. That has not been changed. So you're going to have... The AOEs playing off in the second round, the divisional round. You have the Astros either against the Twins or, in your case, Rob, the Indians. I think the Astros win that series. It's the easier path. So I have the Astros at the AL against the Dodgers, and I have the Dodgers winning this time. Got it. 
I have the same. Actually. Really? Yep. We did not talk about this before. I we swear. We did not. I have the Astros in their pitching taking care of the Yankees. I thought for sure you picked That's the Dodgers. Right. <laughs> right. Well, no, uh, let me rephrase. I got the Dodgers winning it all. Uh, but I got God. the Dodgers and the Astros, and I got the uh, I got the Do- I just got the Dodger or the Astros pitching staff with Colin. Um, what's his name? Verlander. Verlander. I just think if somebody's going to shut down the Yankees, it's going to be them. True. And I think those two guys together are going to they're going to collect two wins, and it's going to be on the offense for two. And I think that Astros' offense is a lot less home run or bust. I think they're going to plug, plug away at bats, ride their pitching, and I think they're going to get there. And then I think Dodgers are going to finally finally take care of business, get there and get it done. I agree. So you have the Yankees do it, making it to at least one round further than last year. You'll have them winning either against the Rays yep. or the Red Sox. Yep. So I think the Yankees starting pitching is their weakness, but yeah. they're the Yankees. So if they decide that they want to go into the luxury tax and get a starter – they will. They've made it clear through back channels that they're not interested in a certain pitcher from the Giants. However, that could change. Posturing, we don't know. But I think they have the ability maybe get power from Cleveland or if it's the right you – know, they, their farm system's loaded. That's what's scary about the Yankees mm-hmm. is that they have the biggest payroll and their farm system is it's really different good. different than years past. They yeah. just signed a 16-year-old from the Dominican Republic that's supposed to be the best prodigy product since Mickey Mantle being able to hit from both sides. They spent all $5.1 million of their international money just to sign him mm-hmm. and to sign anyone else. Is that crazy? It's crazy. That is crazy. So. All right, hey, so moving on, we will get into our all-star stuff now. And right before we get into this, let's go real quick recap on tonight's Home Run Derby, which happened three, four hours ago. Uh, was an awesome one, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, let's talk. We got a lot of things happened tonight. A lot of things. So why don't you guys have the stats on a lot of this? Yeah. Why don't you run them out there and, and see where we're at with this thing? So certainly the folks of Cleveland, which gets to host the All-Star Game today mm-hmm. for a sixth time, had a quite a show. Uh, record setting. We're going to get to how record setting in a moment. Uh, eight players. Rob, the interesting thing this year, which I think was a brilliant move that other professional sports leagues should incorporate on their All-Star facilities in some capacity, $1 million went to the winner of this year's home run derby. So uh, certainly a bummer that Christian Yelich did not have the ability to compete uh, after he suffered a minor injury, just enough where he didn't. He said publicly in his Twitter account in some interviews today that you know, he owes it to the interest of the Brewers fans not to take any unnecessary risks. He will be playing in the All-Star game tomorrow, but he says he'll be, we'll have the opportunity to play in future years. So had uh, P. Alonzo was, prob- was the number two seed, had the um, – I think 27 home runs for the Mets in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was actually, we were talking about just casually over the weekend, Rob, that he was kind of the controversial one, and he had quite a show. So but we'll recap first the winner of the home run derby. So why don't you go through the individual rounds of the one who won? So Pete Alonso ended up the winner, uh, which is great for him. He's a rookie, uh, along with uh, Vlad Jr., who wound up in the finals uh, competing against him. But... Uh, Pete Alonso being the second seed really helped him in that case because mm-hmm. in every round he won by one home run. So he beat Carlos Santana 14 to 13 in the first round, beat Ronald Acuna Jr. 20 to 19 in the semis, and then uh, defeated Vlad Jr. 23 to 22 in the finals. So that's important to note because if he had not been the second, he wouldn't have or the second seed he wouldn't have hit behind them and known exactly how many he needs to hit to beat these guys when you're the first one hitting. 
you kind of just have to hit as many as you can and hope that the person behind you doesn't hit more. So when you see how many of the persons hit, you already have the motivation and the number that, of uh, how many home runs you need to hit. So I think that helped him out a lot in winning the whole thing. I agree. I, even though uh, Alonzo gets the million-dollar check and will be remembered as the champion, certainly the story of the night, Jake, is that Vlad Guerrero Jr. arrived on a national platform. He got called up this year. Only had eight home runs. Probably didn't warrant a spot on the merits based on his first half performance not an all-star in any capacity he probably will be given his pedigree his dad was a very very good player that i got to see multiple times not only as an angel but as an expo and just had the longest range of a swing that i've ever seen i don't think you can replicate you're the coach so i don't think you're telling your kiddos to swing like vlad guerrero jr i'm assuming yeah (laughs) if we start taking a bunch of 2-0 fastballs i'll tell them channel your inner vladdy and start swinging at everything yeah um, yeah, you know, I think for Vladdy Jr., obviously, for me, the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game are, are separate in a, I guess, a um, participation standpoint, right? The Home Run Derby, a lot of guys opt out of it anyways mm-hmm. because they don't want to see it. Did every single person want to see Vladdy in this? Yes. They want to know what he's all about. So to have eight home runs, um, it makes sense to have him in there because it's a, it's a fan pleaser award anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not so much of a recognition where, you know, you're the best players in the game and nothing will take away from that. We're going to put you on this team. This is, you know, we got a couple guys that hit bombs. Everybody wants to do it. Some people don't. I think putting him in there makes sense for the fans, and I'm glad that he certainly didn't disappoint because that was unbelievable. Yes, let's recap what he did in particular because he will be the one that's remembered tonight, I think, years to come. You remember – certain performances um, prior to his uh, steroid relevation. Mark McGuire at Fenway 1998. When he had all those, uh, it's still iconic, iconic weekend, or week, I should say, with Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn having the baton the next night. But I still remember that 98 home run derby. Remember Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. had some iconic ones. Barry Bonds had an iconic one. This is one that I think rises to that. Uh, Stanton and Petco three years ago had one. Aaron Judge uh, two years ago, and then Bryce Harper probably just because he was the national. It was kind of a swan song for him. Everyone kind of knew that he was probably going to leave via free agency. So that was a good moment for the nationals to enjoy that. But just the stats on Vlad Guerrero Jr., who broke a record, which was previously 61 home runs by Giancarlo Stanton three years ago. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the first round hit 29 home runs. <laughs> in the second round, he hit 40. <laughs> in the third round, very tired because he had to, in the semifinals, go into double overtime <laughs> equivalent to beat uh, Jock Peterson 40-39 to 39 in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. Hit 22 home runs. So 29, 40, and 22 is a total of 91 home runs. Absolutely bonkers. I understand he's not, he doesn't get a million bucks. I think it's 100000 for second place, which is still a lot of money. But nevertheless, he'll be the one that's remembered. I think he got a lot of endorsement deals, Jake, from just being able to smash the ball. Because he also had the longest home run of the night, which is 488 feet, and he was just hitting absolute monsters. From the right-hand side, which is tonight more difficult than the lefties had to deal with. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. There's been – this sticks out to me. If I think of my two favorite home run derby moments, Josh Hamilton. Yes. Big story one. there, obviously, the comeback and watching him just hammer one ball after another. That was at Yankee Stadium, right? In Yankee yeah. Stadium. Uh, unbelievable goosebump moment if you're watching it was awesome. And then obviously Bryce Harper last year coming down to the last 10 seconds pops is throwing to him. He go he's down seven home runs with a minute or something crazy and he just starts launching one after the other. And then he's got that famous picture bats above his head before he bat flips it. He's got the uh, 
American flag bandana, the whole deal. Unbelievable. But when you watch this, this is a different display of just power, number one. Yeah, he had the longest home run of the night, but he also had a bunch of balls that he missed by probably 50% that sit in the 15th row, and it's unbelievable to see that kind of power. When, I mean, I think people look at this and go, yeah, these guys are pros, they're that good, but it is very difficult to hit a ball that far and to do it that consistently, to go 40 in a round. Is it, was it 40 in one round? It was 29, yeah. 29 regulation, and then he hit an additional 11 over one full one-minute round. He, he went 29-7. And then it was because then they had to take three swings, so it was like one and two, and he won forty to thirty-nine. It's amazing. You think, <laughs> you think about hitting eight home runs per ninety seconds. He had five minutes total, right? Four, mm-hmm. four minute rounds. Four yeah. minute rounds, yeah. but in that forty round, yeah. he had that extra minute. Yeah. So it's like you're looking at a guy. I mean, that's more than one every ten seconds. It's unbelievable. That yeah. is unbelievable. So I, I don't know. I look at that and go, I just don't see how. I don't care how big, how strong. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I, I like it. And I also, I like the format. I like it a lot. I think that it speeds it up. It gets these guys going. There's a clock. There's a little pressure when it comes down to it. Jock and him in that last round was, was so fun to watch. So, I, I, yeah, I just think what he did, unbelievable. I'm glad he did it. It makes me happy to see. Yeah. It's good to see young guys like that. It, it was nice to see two rookies uh, kind of in the finals like that between Pete Alonzo and, and Vladdy Jr. So, that's that's awesome to see, and they both didn't disappoint. So oh. baseball needs that, and I think the home run derby was kind of falling off a little bit, and they needed some more excitement, and throwing that million bucks in there definitely helped, and uh, they definitely uh, made it happen. Yeah, hopefully Major League Baseball sends something under the table to Vlad Guerrero Jr. No, you don't have a million bucks, but, like, thank you. Way to put on a show. <laughs> yeah. I think we will. Before we get to the home run derby, two stats for me on this that I think are awesome. Alonzo joins Wally Joyner and Aaron Judge as the only two rookies to win it. Excellent. Which awesome. I think is pretty cool. Yeah, 86 in 2017 for Judge and 86 for Joyner. But um, just a, a rookie doing something like that on that kind of stage, very cool. And especially getting to the finals, two rookies, it was inevitable either way. But very cool. And then we talked earlier, I can't remember if this was during this conversation or beforehand. Um, I think you said Verlander was pissed about the balls being juiced and mm-hmm. made a comment that wasn't favorable to the MLB but he's given up 27 bombs this year leads the league mm-hmm. uh, obviously Cy Young guy best in the league but starting did, tomorrow night too in the yeah, all-star game yeah right and his ERA we talked about is still two something two six that tells you exactly how good he is if he's leading the league in bombs or a bunch of solo shots in there but um, 221 I'm gonna ballpark this because I know they said it during the during the uh, home run derby and I can't remember the exact number but I'm pretty close pretty sure it was about 221 we'll look it up later but was the all-time record for most home runs hit in a home run derby. Tonight, 311. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's 90. That's 90 home runs smashing the record. Yeah. Smashing. I mean, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with the new style of hitting, the new launch angle, the new stats on how big and strong these guys are, that it makes sense to lift the ball. Mm-hmm. And they're working on it, and it's a swing that is not just a home run derby swing for these guys. This is their swing. Mm-hmm. So I think when you take guys back in the day that are trying to hit for average and trying to be good and find gaps and leave the yard every now and then, and now you put eight guys in a home run derby that literally sit against 98 and sit against 88-mile-an-hour sliders and try to hit all of those out of the yard, it's pretty damn easy to see a 44-mile-an-hour cockshot fastball and send it into the seats mm-hmm. so i think the i think the actual game play and the approach in games is a big factor to these guys hitting 90 more home runs than the previous record i completely agree the whole the whole launch angle era that we're in now i think that's 
the biggest contributor. And then even going back further than that, and you could probably attest to this, is uh, these guys are probably doing the weightlifting and the, the things they need to in the weight room to mm-hmm. create that launch angle and get the muscles built that they need to make that launch angle happen. So that's, I mean, that's just something else that they're working on. I mean, they're they're literally working on it every day now. Yep. Uh, and that, I mean, they they beat the record by almost thirty three percent. That's just ridiculous. So it is crazy. Just goes to show. Yeah, the resources and the and the work they put in now is not Babe Ruth. You know, one of the most notorious baseball player and home run hitters of all time. That guy hits home runs and goes and drinks six beers and smokes cigars and shows up the next day and does it again. <laughs> yeah, these guys are not doing yeah. that. So, yeah, I think the the new age of baseball adds to that, and I think it's a big reason too why it's so hard to compare generations or eras of baseball because it's just you can't. The, what these guys have now is unbelievable. So, mm. all right, let's get to this All Star game. I'm yeah. I'm excited about this one tomorrow. I think it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, so certainly uh, it's going to have a lot of feedback, and uh, we're going to acquire, we're going to list like every single player that's on there. You can go on MLB.com and see who's starting. There's been a lot of swaps. Mm-hmm. Naturally, there are people that are selected via fan vote and then coaches' preference, and then there's you know, injuries and people that don't want to participate. Uh, Hunter Pence was one that came to mind that just decided that, you know, I'm old, I've been there before, and I'd yeah. rather have the four days off. It's exactly right. And. He gets the bonus in this contract anyway, whether or not he plays or not. You get mm-hmm. the bonus if you're named a starter. So, yep. um, so certainly, Jay, we'll start in terms of the, I guess, the NL first in terms of, um, I think Alonzo is one that you know, we talked about from a rookie standpoint. Is there anyone else, like, in terms of, I mean, I guess I can list the All-Stars in a moment, but anyone that jumps on, before I go over the list itself, does Alonzo catch your eye in terms of the most prolific, or is there someone um, else that caught your eye? He does. I'm happy for him. Again, that's one of those guys on the Mets, right? Where yep. If, not that he's going to get traded, but <laughs> would, would the coach be horribly disappointed if this was a trade guy to go, well, you know what, good for him, man. He's going to go get his. Uh, and bonuses real quick. That million dollars he won, he's going to make $555,000 this year playing all season so to double his pay and take two year salary in one night good for him pretty I'm, good night I'm, yeah he I'm, earned it i mean I, he got lucky i think this first round was kind of the, the one that was warranted but he beat Kuna jr and then i feel bad for flat i i think they, they should like get flat there's got like five hundred thousand there's something like that just how iconic that was they gotta take care of him so yeah. i know he'll be paid later on but he will. I, <laughs> yeah. And looking at the – we're on the NL League. Is that what yeah, we're looking at our roster? Yeah. I am a huge fan of – number one, obviously, Bellinger's fun to watch. But I'm a huge fan. If I had to build a team and I had to pick one guy to start it with, I'd pick – right now I'd probably pick Nolan Arenado. Um, I like him. I'm a huge fan of him. I like seeing him there. He's one of my favorite players. I think day in, day out, if you're going to build a team, pitching is tough because it comes and goes. You never know who you're going to sign. An outfielder, you're literally banking on hitting. That's it. Bryce Harper is not hitting, so he's not making his 30 mil worth, according to fans. Mm-hmm. But when you got a guy that is that good defensively and that good at the plate, that's a, that's a tough gig in the major league. So I'd take him at third base over anybody in the league, and I would take him up at the plate with a lot of guys, a lot of guys. So I'm a big fan of Arenado on that team. And Bellinger's fun. You know, I think he had a breakthrough year. And you always kind of expect and wait for the the down year pretty quickly after that. And it's just not coming. It's getting better and better, and that's pretty unbelievable. So um, those are two guys I really like a lot. As far as position guys, mm-hmm. Arenado and Bellinger, big fan of those two. Rob, I know who you're going to pick, so go ahead. Do you know? Yeah, I think so. 
Well, one of them would be Josh Bell. I like to pick the guys that we didn't expect to be there, and the guy's just having a ridiculous year. Mm-hmm. So I, I love I love to see not only younger guys, but guys that we didn't expect in the beginning of the year to make it. So I like that he's getting a shot to, to play in the All-Star game this year, and he definitely deserves it. I mean, he's tearing the cover off the ball, so um, I'm glad that he's there. Um, the other one for me would probably be, or for the American League, and the other one would be would be Alex Bregman because he's another guy that's kind of overachieving this year. Again, just tearing the cover off the ball. He's, he was a solid player the last few years, but this year even more, he's just playing so, so well. And he's part of the reason why the Astros, you know, in your guys' minds, probably make it to the, the World Series. So uh, I'm glad that he's getting to go. For me, everybody else that's, uh, you know, maybe George Springer, but everybody else that's in the All-Star game, at least as the starters, um, we kind of expected them to, um, you know, Christian Yelich, Javier Baez, Bellinger, Arnado, those guys, we all kind of knew we're going to be in there. Or at least, uh, we're going to get a lot of votes to possibly get there. So those are the, the two guys for me. Great. I'll start with the National League and then we'll pivot to the AL. Um, I'm going to make one comment. Baez from the Cubs deserved the slot this year, but enjoy it. It's the last time a shortstop <laughs> from the Cubs is going to make it. So we're going to get to my snub in a moment, uh, but he did deserve it this year for sure guy that I am hopeful to see replace him starting next year to not play a certain number of games, which cost him what was rightfully his. I also want to comment on Freddie Freeman of the Braves' first baseman. I was surprised he won that on the fan vote. Shows you the Braves' commitment. Uh, CBS.com and MLB as well lists the percentage. And actually, he had the highest percentage from a first baseman. 38.5% of the vote was for him. This is shocking to me. I did not know this before I looked up this stat. Uh... Bregman, who Rob mentioned, got 49.1%, was essentially tied with Carlos Santana, which makes sense, the home uh, member of the Cleveland Indians, getting his first all-star appearance. Mike Trout was voted by the fans. That is a saving grace. You for, think? For, <laughs> <laughs> he got 25.5% of the fan vote yeah, as one right. of the slots. That's about right. That's That's stupid. That's I, I don't know what that means. I, I, I grant the ones that join him as starters are... Um, also, Houston Astros and Springer and Brantley, but and Judge probably would have been voted in had he been healthy. Mm-hmm. But I understand the popularity aspect to him. But how Mike Trout is not over fifty percent is remarkable. Like I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. in this day and age. So Carlos like, Carlos Santana has forty nine percent of the vote. I get the hometown bias for that. Me too. But come on. Yeah, you're talking the best player of all time, arguably yeah. right now. What he's doing, Just, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I've just that's blows my mind. But the uh, American League was certainly represented by the Astros being a prolific team. Uh, we have one, two, three starters from them. Uh, DJ Lemieux, uh, Le who was probably the best signing by Brian Cashman this offseason, signed a two-year deal. Basically, it was just said he had an opportunity to play every day, but if you're willing to play multiple positions, he said yes. Been a tremendous fit. He had an amazing series against great. the Red Sox over in London. Was awesome and. Who, who didn't have an amazing series over there? That's true. What was it, one hour, first inning, 11 mm. to 10 or something yeah. after that? First Love time scored. Talk about juice ball. Uh, yeah. No, first time in, in, I don't know exactly how many years, but years and years that neither starting pitcher made it out of the first. Yeah. I think there's some <laughs> suspicion there. I think the stadium dynamic got part of it. The only problem with the juice ball, let's go to what Verlander was saying. It's not juice because they're not like, injecting the baseball with something that's going to make it pop. They're changing the lace. So I think they just have modified what the baseball is. And Mm -hmm. Verlander is correct. This is a man who professionally throws a baseball Mm -hmm. thousands of times a week. 
not just in his pitching performances, but warming up, just doing bullpen sessions. The ball has been altered. The reason Verlander, even though he's getting some flack probably behind the scenes from MLB, Jake, is that he is a 36-year-old. He's married to a supermodel. He makes $35 million a year. <laughs> Life is good for Jake. Or, he arguably had the best year in sports history last year. When he, or was it last year? Astros won the year before? Yeah. Yeah. Won the World got traded yep. in the second half and went with the World Series champs. Mm-hmm. Married Kate Upton yep. not too many months after that. I think it was like a week later. It was, they got married I, you the know week what? After he, he, I think he missed the parade because yeah. he went and got married. Yeah. Good for him. Oh, let's, just, let's, just call <laughs> the, let's just call it the best week in baseball yeah. history, right? right yeah. So, agree. There, guys like that are going to catch some more flack than. But I think that's guys. why you can say it. You that's exactly like, why. You know, I, I think he's right. I think the baseball was altered. They have an incentive people. In American sports, in particular, want to see high scoring. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they like the NFL has made a case to remove defense. You have high scoring games, particularly in the regular season. You see more defense in the playoffs. Yeah. Same with baseball. In the postseason, when you have better matchups and you have starters, and you have basically you're only seeing the top three stars in each team, you're gonna have lower scoring games. Mm-hmm. You're down to a six person rotation if you take the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys if things are going well. So you still see in baseball, but they're like. Guess what? We want to see more runs. Yeah. They're trying to clamp down on the dead time by limiting TV commercials from two minutes and ten seconds to a minute fifty. Trying to keep it around three to three and a half hours. No one likes four hour games, but mm-hmm. I think they have made the adjustment and the conscious decision. Like, yeah, we're going to score more runs and get over it. So I just wish they would be open about it because I think as a casual fan, I would understand it. I like baseball number one. Yeah. I think all three of us do. But Justin Verlander is correct that they, the ball has been altered. Mm-hmm. I agree, and there, yeah, there's validity to that coming from him, a guy that's done it and knows, and like you said, he throws a baseball every day. Yeah, and there's no, he's not saying it because he's struggling. He's having a, he's having a good year, but there's no there's no other motive other than saying this is a fact. Yeah, the baseballs are juiced. There, I mean, I there's a significant difference between a high school baseball on the flight versus a major league ball. It's unbelievable. I was just gonna ask you because I was gonna geek out on that a little bit because you see that. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the difference between? You're Carlsbad, you're throwing BP to yep. your guys. Yep. What's the difference between that baseball versus that you probably buy at Dick's Sporting Good mm-hmm. or anywhere else and the Major League Baseball? What makes it, is it, the, it how it's wound? Yeah, the scene, well, it's, it's they're like rocks. You, you get those Major League Baseballs, they feel like rocks. Mm-hmm. Ours, you know, the seams are higher. They're high seams, kind of just like anybody that played at any level through high school. Little League, all that, they're big seams. Um, and then when you get to the major, even college goes to college is lower than high school. It's closer to the pros, um, but it's a little lower. It's like somewhere in the middle, but closer to pro than it is to high school. So the seams come down a little bit. And then it's just when you have that, these balls jump. They just jump off the bat. And on top of it, these guys, like we talked about, are so big and strong that you put a hitter at any kind of advantage physically through, through a baseball or whatever it is. It's ridiculous. Our high school ones, you you hit them enough times, they're like marshmallows. Mm-hmm. You know, they all of a sudden you'll hit a ball, you'll clobber it, and you can hear it. You're like, that sucks. <laughs> that ball's not going anywhere. You know, so it's a different sound, it's a different feel. I I when I hold the major league baseball, I want to go play catch. Like I want to go throw it. It feels so good. Um, and for people that don't, you know, aren't in youth sports and feel baseballs that the youth feels and plays with all the time, it's hard to just catch a major league ball and go, this is awesome. You, you feel that and you go, this is significantly different. So if they're already taking a ball that is significantly different and altering it more mm-hmm. for the case of the hitter uh, is what it is. I get it. I understand it too. I'm like you. I think, you know, all the steroid era, all that stuff, it's like 
as a fan mm-hmm. for me I would never condone it to any player I would never tell that to my guys but was it fun to watch a guy throw 102 miles an hour and then watch a Maguire turn on it like it was 28 miles an hour and put it 500 feet over the green monster yeah that was awesome yeah that was awesome so yeah. from a fan standpoint 100% and, and MLB they're they're a business they're here to make money. Well, the argument, so, too, is that the baseball is used by every team in every game. It's a uniform yeah, concept, whereas steroids was yeah. not. That's why I don't like the term juice because I understand that, I don't want to say half, but a significant percentage of players abuse the system. A lot of them got paid, including Alex Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who is now, I love Alex Rodriguez as a commentator. I think he does a very good job. He's made for television, but the man did manipulate the system. And that's why I don't like that term, juice ball, Rob. It just... It's the same negative tone. It has a negative tone. It's different than what Verlander probably used last season when he pitched. Mm -hmm. I get that. But every other pitcher in Major League Baseball is using the same ball versus every hitter is trying to get it out of the ballpark. And that's what makes Verlander so good. As you mentioned before, he's given up solo home runs. Mm -hmm. His ERA is still really good. And if you haven't got a home run on him, great. But you can tell he's a very competitive guy. That's why he's as, as successful as he is. That's why he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he decides to retire. But, Rob, I think that that's what bothers me. I don't like the term juice because everyone's using the same ball. Just admit that it was you know altered slightly this year. Well, yeah, and you said it. The, the iron, I've heard a lot the irony in how baseball cracked down on people juicing with steroids and how home runs were so much more common and how it's no different than now. Well, you said it best. It, it is different because the playing field is, is level. Everybody's mm-hmm. using the same ball. Not everybody was shooting up steroids, so yeah. it's yep. very, very much different. Uh, and it's it's still an even playing field at the end. I mean, argue Coors Field, but yeah. uh, the ball is the same for everybody. So, but it's not the same for the pitchers. And Verlander has every right to feel this way because he is having a great year. It's not like he is, his ERA is up at five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's having a great year again, and he is leading the league in home runs. And he he touches a ball a thousand times a week and throws one over a hundred times a game. Mm-hmm. So he knows kind of what the hell he's talking about so yeah. I, I definitely take that as a fact <laughs> yeah yeah and you said he's competitive i'd be willing to bet there's some deep statistics on the counts that he's given up home runs mm-hmm. i bet there's a lot of 203 ones where he's willing to challenge a guy where a lot of other pitchers are going uh just put him on first base that's fine we'll yep. get a walk see if i can get a ground ball i think verlander's too competitive to go here take a free base nope. see if you can hit this 2-0 fastball out of the yard and yep. if you can good for you so i think there's a challenge aspect in a competitive spot which is probably a reason why he's given up some of those home runs but yeah i agree with you guys i, th- I think it's an even playing field everybody's doing it i don't know that he's whining so much about it as he is just going this is the facts yeah it yeah. is what it is well, i think so. he was asked about today just exactly. in, a, in the in the press conference mm-hmm. you, you have a press conference you have 10 minutes with the national media before the all-star yep. game and he's gonna tell the truth and he's gonna he doesn't yeah he doesn't care it's not like he, it's <laughs> not like he said it from twitter while he's sitting on his couch yeah yeah, he, yeah that's what i was gonna say was he was probably asked about it so he's like yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth why yeah. would i need to lie about it yeah well good so um we'll kind of jump ahead a little bit uh to our snubs i'm gonna start this one because it's my pet peeve we talked about it on our platform uh, the one player that I thought should be there, and I'll let Rob take the guy that should have been in tonight's home run derby. But for me, Tatis Jr., I know he missed a month. I get it. But he's the first guy to have these stats since Trout and was not allowed to participate as well as Guerrero Jr. did tonight in the home run derby having that platform. I think Tatis being able to make an appearance, not as a starter, but in relief in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning, what he's done on the base running uh, path this year, just to give you some stats to listeners of what Tatis Jr. has done in his first rookie season. He's seen 327, 
on base percentage of 393, 620 kind of OPS uh, over one as well, 14 homers, 13 stolen bases, win above replacement, which is kind of the the metric that most statisticians use as kind of valuing yourself as a player. He's only played for about a little over two months. His war is three. So essentially he's three wins above the average major leaguer at shortstop in a limited capacity. That's better than many of a child, just to give you some context for Padres fans. Jake, I, you're not you're kind of the neutral party here when it comes to the Padres. You like them, but you're not biased like we are. Mm-hmm. Do you think he should have been there? Uh, I do. I actually do. I I because of kind of what I said earlier, right? There's the LeBron James factor, where LeBron was the most hyped basketball player of all time coming into the league and did his job above and beyond. He was more special than people predicted, and his expectations were through the roof. And to do that in basketball, when you are when athleticism plays. It's, it's almost easier. I'm not saying it's easy to be LeBron James, but when you have those expectations in baseball and you come through and you are making a web gem two to three times a week at, at the minimum mm-hmm. at, at any ball hit in your vicinity and you are hitting the ball the way he has and you come in with that kind of flair and that kind of attitude and you bring what baseball needs. You mm-hmm. bring a, an energy and a life to the game. I think a piece of that is what the, what the All-Star game is about. Um, and I, I just think it, it's a bummer to look at it and go, yeah, the amount of games he's played, sure, but that's Vladdy in the home run derby. Like, mm-hmm. this is fun. This is what people want. He is the best. Mm-hmm. I don't care what happened to him throughout this course of the season. You tell me one team that wouldn't stick him at shortstop to start building a team around right now. Mm-hmm. Tell me one. I, there might be one or two out of the out of the whole league, and I think guys like that should be there. I don't think you should look too deep in it. Well, is this, that, injuries? It doesn't matter to me. He's healthy during the All-Star game. He's had an unbelievable season. Put him out there. Yeah, yeah. Rob, I would say a couple of things. Uh, got praise for Mike Trout today at his interview. He actually yeah, called yeah. out Tatis Jr. as the most exciting player in baseball. Uh-huh. So high praise from the best player in baseball yep. today. That's uh-huh. not in dispute. Secondly, to highlight the real of what he's accomplished, the man scored – on a sacrifice fly to second base. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That is I'm true. I'm just saying, that's, I, in an exhibition game, they've removed the attachment of home field advantage. It's a smart move. Make the All-Star game just a completely neutral exhibition. Since that's the case, you want excitement and flair. Don't you think Tatis Jr. Rob would have done something crazy if you know, he gets on base? He would probably try and steal second, third, and home. Yeah. Just to say, you know what, I'm going to go for yep. that. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the flair that he brings. And you can tell that he was mad. I mean, he was somewhat hurt. But in the game yesterday against the Dodgers, he joined his father. For now, Tati is famous for hitting two grand slams in the same inning at Dodger Stadium. First father-son pair in Dodger Stadium to have multi-home run games as he hit two home runs in yesterday's game. So he wanted to be there. He did say that if he was invited, he wouldn't go. I have a feeling that if things continue, he'll be there next year. Yeah, absolutely. He should have been there this year. Uh, just to kind of put it in perspective, because, I mean, you can make the argument that he shouldn't have gotten it over Javier Baez. I mean, he's in, in the MVP voting almost Well, Baez year. got the vote from the fans. So he, he, so he, you could argue that he Javier Baez should be the starter. But the, the egregious one to me is uh, Paul DeYoung. Um, just to give you some stats, you went over the stats over Tatis, but DeYoung's hitting two fifty eight compared to Tatis's 327. Yeah. Um, he's 330 at-bats, about 100 more than Tatis because he was hurt. He's got a 2.7 WAR, which is yeah. about half less than, uh, or half of one less than Tatis, because Tatis at 3.3, uh, a 786 OPS and a 343 OBP. All every single stat is lower than significantly Tatis. lower. Yeah, significantly lower. 
And then if you want to take it a step further, like you said, the excitement level that Tatis could bring on any given defensive play uh, or uh, as a person in general and just overachieving, but defensively as well. He's just a better defensive player than most, if not all, shortstops right now in at least the NL. So for all those reasons, he absolutely should have at least been a reserve uh, and probably over Paul DeYoung, in my opinion. That has no argument in terms of that. I actually think that Trevor Story... As great as he is, he's a good player. He arguably was not better than Tatis either. Just when you see stats like what Tatis has produced in the first half of this season, when you're talking Mike Trout is the only other person in the last 20 years to have those stats, Jake, mm-hmm. I think it's compelling. And Major League Baseball has been criticized as not marketing their young players very well. I always see last year when they have um, – the one thing that baseball does well, or at least Fox does, is they have – like during the – innings they have them mic'd up and kind of interview them mm-hmm. and see who they are as pure personalities mm-hmm. baseball is a very regional sport so rob and i for example know the San Diego Padres market very well but we probably couldn't tell you about the you know uh st louis cardinals market or even the bigger ones like the mets or even the yankees you just are very attached to that so the only chance we get to learn about these national players is during these type of exhibitions or tonight during the home run derby Tatis is just a magnetic personality. It would have been nice for him to be showcased in that platform. I think it's a lost opportunity for Major League Baseball. I think they dropped the ball. I totally agree. I talked about this last week with a buddy of mine, how one of the best things for the casual fan and the baseball, like the deep baseball fan, guys like you, it's seeing a guy mic'd up is so fun. It's so fun to see what these guys talk about when they're hanging out on the field or how a guy says something if a ball's hit to second base and Tatis is a shortstop, I guarantee you when that ball's hit off the bat, he's probably saying something fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's spin it. Let's go. Spin it. Give it to me. And yeah. then he probably throws it and probably as he releases it goes, mm, yep. on the money. We're good. And a little high five, whatever he says. That's the stuff that I think for a fan, if the MLB is smart, would just do more of. Yeah, They would just do more of it. I mean, if it's – the Padres go through a whole series and you mic up five guys. And then maybe before their next homestand, you have a five, ten-minute piece during the pregame show mm-hmm. that you go, let's take a look at some of the best verbal highlights of these guys. You know, last What do these guys say to them when they come in the dugout after hitting a three-run bomb to go up by two in the ninth? Yeah. Like, what do we get to hear there? That's the fun stuff. So mm-hmm. I agree. I think they missed a big opportunity with showcasing one of the young personalities that's fun. Uh, I Tatis, yeah, he he missed out. I think MLB truthfully missed out on on that more than anybody. But um, for me, one would be Xander Bogarts. Yeah, that's one. Yep. That's the most common. Yeah, most common, obviously. And I I was looking at his stats. The guy's fourth in the AL and on base percentage with three ninety two, OPS nine twenty five. Um, startling numbers. It says for a shortstop, fifteen bombs are second just to Glaber Torres, who has sixteen. And I, I like this little stat. I think it's funny because we talked about steroid use and all that, PEDs. Mm-hmm. It says he's also never served an 80-game suspension for PED use as <laughs> AL starter Jorge Polanco did last season. So, yeah. I, you know, if you're going to take a guy out, if you're going to get that deep to go, well, he didn't play that many games, he doesn't deserve to be there, then does the guy that cheated last year deserve to be there? Like, let's kind of broaden the whole selection committee if we're going to do stuff like that. But, yeah, Bogarts for me, you know, that's a – Especially as a Red Sox, I'm surprised you that someone like on that platform with mm-hmm. that team will get snubbed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Rob, I left this purposely for you. It's not necessarily an all-star snub from the game itself, but someone that should have been, we think, a part of the home run derby tonight in terms of a potter that we think 
given who was selected to get of him, I think Hunter Renfro deserved the opportunity to be given the stage today and was denied that, don't you think? I think, yeah, I think at the very least he needed to be in the home run derby. Um, he's got 28 home runs 27, now. 27, 27 yeah. home runs now, I believe. Yeah. And he's just improved his game every year. His defense has been much, much better this year. Uh, still not hitting for the highest average, but, but clutch. actually better than you know he was last year. And yeah, very clutch. I mean, he had a, he had a walk-off grand slam against the Dodgers, against Kenley Jensen. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. And he's been clutch. Uh, he has, I think the record was in the top three for most clutch home runs after the seventh inning or something mm-hmm. like that. So he's done a lot of things that would merit him to at least be in the home run derby, uh, if not the All-Star game. So he definitely was a snub um, that the Padres could very easily be sending other than Tatis. So... Yeah. Kirby Yates obviously gets it because he's the best closer in baseball right now. But um, I think that I think he had a real case for for being there. That's for sure. I agree. So we'll end with this discussion before we end the pod with our final kind of memory of the All Star Game. We all have some interesting experiences to share. But before we do that, briefly, we talked about this. Uh, do you guys think that every major league team should have one representative at the All Star Game? Uh, Rob, I'll let you start on this one because I think you're going contrary to what most people think on this. So I I get it, I, and it makes sense to me um, why every team should have at least one player there from you know a fan perspective and a city perspective and all that. But there's situations like we've been talking about with Tatis, and this lines up perfectly with it for why that kind of sucks. Because Paul DeYoung, who I think is way worse and inferior than uh, Tatis has been this year, is getting that reserve spot at shortstop. Mm-hmm. It's the Cardinals' only player. So, yes, he kind of took the spot from where I think Tatis at least should have been. But also there's the argument that he's the only Card- only Cardinals representative for the All-Star game. So that's where it's kind of like the double-edged sword. Well, which one do you go with? Mm-hmm. You could remove him and try to pick another Cardinals player, but is there another Cardinals player that's as deserving of it? Then they have to maybe pull somebody else who's not deserving. So at the end of the day, the All-Star Game is a popularity contest. It's mm-hmm. voted by fans. Um, you know, Most of the players that should be there get in, but there's always a few that don't. I, After seeing Tatis not get in when he should have, I, I would have to say that I think that it probably should be eliminated or modified. But I do <clears throat> understand both sides and think that it's good for at least one player from every team to make it there. Jake, what do you think, man? I don't like it. <clears throat> um, I'm an old school guy. I totally understand it from a business standpoint. Get every city involved. Watch their guy. I just don't. I'm just, like I said, I'm a purist. I'm a baseball purist. I would lo- We talked about the home runs. I would love to see a, a Game 7 World Series end in a one nothing, two complete games, pitcher's duel, nobody can score, and somebody gets a knock in the third inning that ends up being the World Series. And mm-hmm. you just don't know that. And as you go along... I like that stuff. I would prefer to see, and a big reason we've talked a little bit about my youth sports connection, and then this. It's to me, it's not a ton different than everybody gets a trophy. And mm-hmm. man, does that not help the society yeah, that we I live in? It agree. just doesn't help. So when these agree. guys, people see it at the highest level, and they're doing it, I just don't like it. You're talking about guys that put their life into this, mm-hmm. and. You might have an injury. You might have a down year. You might never get another opportunity. So if it's your one year to be an all-star, an, a major league all-star, and it gets taken away because each team has to be represented, that sucks. Yeah, That sucks. So for me, for multiple reasons, I get it for one reason, and it's business side. I get it. But every other reason I have says this, I don't like it at all. Yeah. I, don't think it, I don't think it does justice to anybody. Yeah, I 
understand the business aspect as well. It's something that you want to have every, you have kind of two solutions to it. One would be to expand the number of all-star positions, but then you dilute what an all-star means. So if, Jake, I would go to your proposal on being a traditionalist if you remove the van vote. You have some sort of neutral committee of similar to like the Hall of Fame or journalists or a mm-hmm. mix probably. So you have a couple of different elements and they decide based on statistics, based on advanced metrics, who gets to go on set positions. And that's how I would probably do it because I'd be worried that there could still be a bias towards the big markets if you allow the fan vote to be there because – Tatis Jr. probably was not picked because most people outside of Southern California don't know really who he is. Mm-hmm. Without, I mean, they've seen a little bit they, the game that he had where he, you know, scored from second base on the <laughs> sacrifice fight to only, second base. Only when he's on Sports Center, yeah. yeah. Or yesterday mm-hmm. when he hit the two homer game, or the MLB Network as well. If you're a baseball diehard, does show him. Mm-hmm. But the only reason that's the only way that smart market players can get that experience is. Either a team success. Mm-hmm. Pirates don't have team success historically, and they're a 500 team right now. Mm-hmm. And then, secondly, would be given a platform to do big games. The Pirates are not on any national television games. Yeah. They're never on ESPN Sunday night game of the week. Very rarely will be on a Wednesday night game unless they're playing the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. Then maybe they'll get that second half fiddle. So if people don't see them. That's something I think baseball will have to fix. So Jake's solution is the ideal one in terms of how it should be. But you would have to remove the variable of the fan vote. Will that happen from a business standpoint? Not a well, chance. I'll throw something else at you too, because I agree. I don't think that you should get participation trophies if you're if you're not good. If your team doesn't have a player that's deserving to go, and the whole team sucks, you don't get a player that goes. I I agree with that. But to be devil's advocate, what do you think about putting a? It, I don't agree with it, but putting a cap on how many players can go per team. So if the Dodgers have six players going from their team put a cap on how many can represent one team at the All-Star game. What do you think about that? Maybe. I, I certainly, it depends on the number of roster spots. I still would want to remove the fan vote first because, if again, in theory, if you're taking it to the logical stream, the best players, if the Dodgers have seven of the top nine position players, truthfully, and you can be arguing for them this year. They're a 60-win team, mm-hmm. and they deserve to be represented well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs, when they went to their World Series, deserve to be represented well. I probably wouldn't cap it as much, but... From the business standpoint, does everyone see just you know the Yankees versus the Cubs and the Dodgers, and you know why would anyone else want to watch? Yeah, you know there's got to be some representative. So I would say a cap is something that should be kind of explored and at least thought about. So Jake, I mean, what's kind of it's kind of a balance, right? Yeah, it is. I I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, you're just leaving guys out. I think the best way to go, like you said, is a committee. Pick the best guys. I, this stat here tells there's 10% of major leaguers every year. It's The number of guys on each team accounts for 10% of the league. Okay. So if you take that, pick the best 10% from each league, 5%, whatever, 5% from each league, and then you go fan vote five players each league, done. Add an extra five guys for fun, but let the professionals or the, the guys that do this research and have all the stats and don't care what team they're on, let them pick the fir- the whole lineup and then add a fan vote for the extra five guys. Release that lineup, release that roster, mm-hmm. and go, now here's the other guys. Go ahead, vote it up. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like that. I think the best guys get in, and then, yeah. the, and then the Showtime guys get in. Yeah. Guys that people love. If Tatis doesn't make that list and San Diego wants him in there, then San Diego show up and vote. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And then it puts it a little bit on the city. 
So I, I think that would be for me. Gives the teams an opportunity to market too. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, the Padres would have gone all in on a grill marketing campaign to get oh, him. Oh, big in. time, sure, big time. I follow the Dodgers on Instagram, and last year it was I can't remember who ended up getting in there on the oh JT. Justin Turner got yeah. in there, and it was every time I got on Instagram, it was the Dodgers were posting. He did a whole video. Hey fans, I love you guys so much. Appreciate yeah. the support. Let's get on and vote. And it's like a that's now a citywide cool thing, mm-hmm. or nationwide if Dodger fans are all over the place. But it gets the fans involved personally with the players, and I yeah. think that'd be a great idea. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, for Me sure. Too. So well, let's get on. Let's wrap this thing up yeah. with uh, re- predictions first. AL or NL winning tomorrow. I, the American League has been historically better in the last decade in this particular format. Uh, we'll see if the National League can get a home run or two off Verlander, like we talked about. Does mm-hmm. Verlander give up one home run to get the end of a lead? If the NL can get the lead early, I like their chances. I do not think that's going to happen. So I have the American League winning in a typically low-scoring game, 4-3. to three. So I like, I like the NL. Um but it might not happen till later in the game because the AL, I think, has better pitchers on the front end, Garrett Cole and Verlander specifically. So once they get first through the, for, uh, through the first two or three innings, um, that's where the hitters are really going to have to make it happen. But I think the NL pitchers are better on the back end. So uh, with Yelich and Bellinger and Alonzo and Moustakas and all these guys that could hit a home run at any given time, I like the NL to win it in like a 2-1 to one or one nothing game. Um, it's going to be real close, but I do think that the NL has better hitters overall, and I think that breaks through at some point. You don't think there's going to be a lot of hitting, though? No. <laughs> like I said, it could only take you know one home run, and there's a lot of guys in the, on the NL team as opposed to the AL team that can do that at any given time. So I would, Jake. That's the kind of game that in a World Series I respect because it's tense. I'm not sure I want to see that game tomorrow, Jake. No, I hope you have, have a more bold I got, prediction. I got a different prediction. Okay. <laughs> I like going bold. I'm going NL. They're going to win 5-3. I got Christian Yelich going leadoff bomb. Oh, off Verlander. Off Verlander. Well, he has given up the most home runs, as we just learned. And, so. and, uh, on a home run leader. I, I got him going first first at bat, Yahtzee, and brighten some things up. I got a 5-3 ball game, National League going to win. Awesome. That's my prediction. Um, let's finish with just a couple all-time favorite moments, and we will sign off for the night. Favorite all-star moments for you guys? You got any off the top of your head? Yeah, mine is uh, 2002, Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds mm-hmm. as Homer. Good choice. And the reason why I like it so Great much choice. is because in the past, um, not just with baseball, but there's been some uh, kind of constructive criticism or um, some negatives about like things being scripted or could be scripted and you know, mm-hmm. home runs, juice balls, things like that. But a guy stealing a home run. I mean, you can't tell Barry Bonds, hey, can you hit this just like five feet above the fence? So, you know, Torrey Hunter, yeah, yeah, that's not possible. So I thought it was awesome, and it was a huge moment, obviously, in that game. So him doing that to the best home run hitter of that time and maybe ever was really awesome to see. That was the one that ended a tie, was it? I don't think so. I can't remember. Yeah. That whole scene, though, you're right. I remember that play. I just don't remember what year it was. Yeah. yeah. Was that Milwaukee? I don't remember. Yeah, I gotta remember that. I know. I know. Uh, he was with the Twins at the point at the yeah. time. So before yeah. he was the Angels. So. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, and that's where that I think the whole scene for baseball lightens it up to where fans go, "This is awesome." Barry yeah. Bonds picks him up in between first yeah. and yeah. second, yeah. And puts him on his shoulders like you. And that was son. awesome that Bonds, you know, kind of reacted yeah. that way instead of being pissed about it. And yeah, that was great for the fans to see. That was really cool. All right, mine is I have two. I have a San Diego one and an all-time one. My San Diego one is we uh, showing the swag now as we're recording, 
the 2016 All Star Game was in San Diego. It was a really cool moment. I don't remember the '92 All Star Game with Tony Gwynn at the old Jack Murphy Stadium, but I was able to participate in some of the festivities in 2016, including the Celebrity Softball Game. Got to witness that. It's a great experience and. I think San Diego deserves the opportunity should they go to a system where they bid for all-star games. I think San Diego should be there every four to five years. Mm -hmm. I think people would want to visit. It's good weather and everything else. So my two were Stanton before tonight winning the home run derby, hitting 61 homers, which was at the time amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was shattered today. So still a good moment. And then it was Big Poppy, David Ortiz's final all-star appearance. He got a very nice ovation. That was a good one. um, That I remember fondly. I think that was pretty cool. So... My all-time one is with Pete Rose, 1970 All-Star Game. Very famous. I recommend that you all YouTube this. He bulldozes over Ray Fossey, trying to score a run at home plate. Iconic video because Pete Rose, many faults to him, but one of them, one of his greatest strengths was Charlie Hustle, never stopping, never giving up. It was a different mentality mm-hmm. about how baseball was played back then, Jake, and I will always remember that kind of iconic moment growing up, watching it being replayed over and over again. We get more and more removed from that intensity to want to win every single game. So that's why it strikes me as kind of an all-time moment. Yeah, because there's not a ton of that left. No. And it's fun. It's That's a moment that embodied all of baseball at the time. We well, can't even do that in a normal baseball game. No, you can't. Outline against the rules. Yep. So from a safety standpoint. Rules. So yep. I agree. I like that too. For me, um, 97 with Randy Johnson versus Larry Walker. This is where, and most people remember Cruck when Cruck, I think, yeah. got a ball thrown behind yeah. him. Yeah. Stood at the back white line of the box, took two ass out flail swings <laughs> and said, I'm out of here. Good yep. job. <laughs> and, and did the same thing to Larry Walker, but Larry Walker is the guy that calm, he's calmly stepped out of the box, flipped his helmet around backwards, got back in the box, and went and challenged him. But just a fun time. Same thing. You get in the box against Randy Johnson with your batting helmet backwards and saying, let's do it and have some fun with it. And yeah. I think he, he is over. You were still with the Mariners, right, back then? Yeah. yeah, and he jumped to the right side of the plate. He's a left-handed hitter. So just one of those fun things where you go, this is awesome. I know the crowd went nuts. But um, from an actual playing point, I remember 99 watching that All-Star game. Um, Pedro Martinez with mm-hmm. Boston, who I think in his prime, I don't know that there is a better guy on the mound. That's amazing. Um, but he came in, and I'll just never forget the dominant performance. He started it, um, struck out the side in the first inning, which I, the names on that were um, Barry Larkin, uh, Walker, and Sammy Sosa, those three guys right there, just Jeez. to strike him out in order. And then he struck out McGuire uh, to start the second, gave up, uh, reached on error, and then went back to work, struck out Jeff Bagwell, and then got a, a – throw down steal second base so you look and go you just caught up five of the best six hitters in the league like with with conviction and it was it's fun to see a guy dominate the best in the world for that kind of thing and it just it's a glimpse at like this is how good this guy really is yeah and when you see that stuff i think that's what the all-star game provides it provides the best of the best when a guy rises up to that kind of level Mm -hmm. it's special so yeah bajor's an all-time moment because i remember as a kid watching when he was a member of the expos before he was traded or went to Boston, he actually threw a perfect nine innings against the Padres. Perfect. I had not hit nothing. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Gwynn got a hit in the 10th. And so he lost the game. He lost the game. <laughs> Go Padres. <laughs> so crazy. So, but he actually did that. So I watched that. It was like one of the first kind of games I remember watching on. It was Channel 4 back in the day in San Diego yep. when we were growing up. Yep. And that was amazing. So Pedro was iconic. Certainly yeah. was a big, integral part of what led to 
their sustained success. And uh, Kurt Schilling talks about it, that Pedro Martinez is the best that he's ever seen. Mm -hmm. And he's a great broadcaster now. You see him on MLB Network all the time, and you can see his personality. And I like seeing a guy like that uh, be able to share their stories. And it's you know, he's definitely a good guy for that yeah. aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming in here with all your notes and making me look like the average fan. This was a lot of fun for me. Um, Honestly, sitting in the seat talking to you guys, it was like watching the MLB Network for two hours. So thank you very much. Um, one more time, Shutdown Podcast, let us know where to find you guys before we sign out of here because I know that a lot of people that listen to this on my end are going to want to Yeah, tune we in appreciate that. Our primary platform is on Instagram, at Shutdown Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and a bunch of other platforms, Rob, in terms of we try to make it as easy as we can. The link is embedded in our Instagram page. It's probably the easiest way to find out. So yeah. we do weekly podcasts. We have some updated micropods and odd pods here and there. But again, if you're interested in San Diego sports cult, and pop culture and that sort of thing, we try and deliver an entertained product. And we appreciate all the positive feedback. Any five-star reviews on iTunes are appreciated as well. We're certainly going to give Jake on. appreciate the patience and nice review as well. And I've listened to a few of his podcasts and very low-key and interesting and something that we hope to grow together. Um, here in San Diego and across the country. Yeah, this is something we want to do more often. Appreciate you reaching out. I mean, in the time frame you reached out to us, I think we got in here less than a week, right? Yeah. So yep. that's amazing. He he messaged us, and I immediately texted Chuck. I was like, check it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. We got somebody checking us out, and he was right down the road from us, essentially. So made the trip over here, and appreciate you looking out and uh, inviting us over and letting us see the cool setup and facility you have here. Yeah, the facility so, here is amazing. It's really yeah. fun. If you guys haven't been, for our fans, come check it out. It's a, it's a really nice setup, so we, we were thoroughly impressed. Awesome. Well, good. I'm glad, man. I'm glad you guys came out. I had a great time with this. I will be feeling pretty positive that this is not the last time we're going to have a little collaboration. So thank you guys very much, and for any of your listeners um, appreciate the patience podcast you can find that on instagram same as these guys easiest way to find me um, appreciate the patience that's the handle go click on it click the link in the bio and same thing drop some likes drop some comments and any five star reviews are much appreciated so thank you gentlemen we will see you on the next one and looking forward to that all-star game after a nice breakdown